0: Just fantastic by Nicola Morello! Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast to get your calcio to go. I'm the very handsome, according to Brian Johnson, Frank Crivello, and the the... Also, the very handsome Richard Carmen with me. Olivier Giroud might score goals, but in terms of handsomeness, he doesn't have shit on us. Ciao, Richard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ciao. And I don't know about that. Brian must be drinking tonight. But uh, thank you for the compliment. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? I know you're happy. I'm happy. How are you doing? I'm I'm drinking tonight.
0: I'm Good. drinking. tonight. Good. I. You know, the only thing I didn't do, I tweeted so much during the derby. The only thing, it's usually after a big Milan win. What do I always tweet? I'm getting hammered tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, you got to do it tonight now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Sorry, I, I but I, I, I actually restrained myself. I had a nice, uh, uh, I, I date night with the wife last night. We went out for a pizza, a little wine. So, um, you know, got out of the house for a couple of hours. So, um,
1: <laughs> not with this. Oh, my God.
0: It's, oh, my God. It's Jerrold's son. <laughs> Who?
1: Me. Before before this mustache. I'm this older
0: one. than Giroud, man. I can't.
1: How does I think that? We work? all are. We all are. We all are. <laughs>
0: So, oh man, good to have you, good to have you with us, Cliff. Man, everybody, in the, we got the chat packed, man. This is awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So um, we will uh, be talking about Darby Della la Madonina. I promised you a breakdown like you won't get anywhere else. You're going to get it. Um, we're going to break down also everything that went down in the rest of match week 24. Another game to go yet on Monday. And uh, we will uh, discuss transfers kind of on the fly as we go, as we talk about each game uh maybe have a little bit of an encompassing thing um and then finally with who won calcio
1: twitter now richard how are you feeling by the way you know i was on calcio twitter so much today that it actually gave me a splitting migraine and i was actually wasn't sure if i was gonna be able to go tonight uh so i asked you to get emergency backup just in case uh but i recovered just in time it wasn't the milan medical because if it was milan lab i wouldn't have made it so but i'm here i'm okay I'm okay, right.
0: and, and, and it's a good thing that we're th- this emergency. Uh, you know, uh, get well guest. We're going to call him a guest now because you're here. He's yes. our guest, and um, we have to determine how many caps this is for him. I believe it's five. Um, if I Let's if I can go ourselves. back, he yeah, he might be able to tell us. Fellow Milan fan, number one fan of City. I sit down. He's rocking the shirt, uh, even though it's on backwards, and uh, resident referee of studio sit down michael lisi joins us ciao michael ciao gentlemen how are you doing this
2: evening feeling pretty
0: good after yesterday i hope oh yeah feeling great <laughs> anytime anytime there's <laughs> yeah, a derby no win over too, inter yep anytime there's a derby win over inter uh yeah we're good to go man how have you been michael
2: Oh, sorry guys. I lost you there for a second. Yep.
0: How have you been, Michael?
2: Oh, I'm good, man. No complaints. You know, same old, same old. We had a couple snow days here last week and you know, that means a lot of fun for two parents that are in education, trying to wake up every morning and figure out who's going to school the next day. But other than that, you know, so far, so good. Shoveling yep. a little bit of snow.
0: Yep. You got the <laughs> snowstorm that they said we were supposed to get like, Three days ahead of time, three days and in- three days they were forecasting that we were gonna get some of it where we live. And then as the week went on, it was just further south, it was just going further south, so it missed yep. us. So um, we're uh like I was being I was told by my mother that um we have like 16 inches of snow less this at this time this year than we had last year. I'm like, oh wow. that's fine. <laughs> 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 That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, there's worse things in the world, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You, you wouldn't think that about Milwa- the Milwaukee area, though. It's kind of crazy, but but no, man. Good to have you with us. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously, we we want you on board. To we want to, we want to break down Milan's performance in the Derby. We're going to talk about that. Some refereeing decisions that went on at the weekend that we are going to in, appreciate your input on. Uh, specifically, one of the capital teams uh, and how that game ended. Um, and then, uh, yes. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, some other instances that, you know, that popped up throughout the course of the game. I think there's, might, there might be some opinion about the, uh, the Musso challenge for Atalanta so we can pick your brain about what you saw, you know, in those instances, uh, you know, to see if, uh, these referees got it right or if they were, if they were absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, so we're looking forward to having a chat about those, um, we will, uh, we'll, we're obviously going to talk about the Derby, like I said, match week 24, uh, and then we will finish with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won? Kelcho Twitter. So the chat is lively. We see Cliff, Brian, George, Anthony, you're all in the house. Good. Nathan, great to see you. Um, if you are watching, just pop in and uh, check in through the chat. Let us know you're on, let us know you're with us. We'd, we'd appreciate it. First time watching us. Uh, Please hit the subscribe button. Please drop a like. Please hit the notification bell so this way you are uh, uh, given advance notice of when we are on the air. And then Richard has been doing amazing work lately, uh, I shall say, with, yeah, you, Um, with the video clips, uh, the recent one about Dusan Vlaovic uh, coming to Juventus, uh, the the woman that you hired. Sam. um,
1: Yeah, Sam. Yeah, she did all that. All credit to her. Yeah. Do you know her? Yeah, she's my uh, she's my assistant. <laughs>
0: Does my your wife this? know this? <laughs> she doesn't like her. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I am not surprised. So <laughs> Brian Johnson is just telling us that we're all more handsome than Olivier Giroud, and I think Brian's been drink Brian's been drinking a little too much tonight. So, uh, but Brian, we appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> so, um, well, let's get into that Darby, shall we?
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Why okay. Sir. Sure. Okay, so Inter, Milan. Um Inter win this. They get distance from everybody as far as the Scudato race. Milan win this. It's suddenly a race again. Um and it gets and things get very, very interesting the rest of the way. So so much on the line. I mean, very I mean, it's we have not had a Darby della Madonnina with with so much riding on it, and gosh, I can't remember. Um, over 10 yeah, years, yeah, over 10 years. So, this was a huge match, uh, for both teams involved. Yeah, the whole Paramount Plus team making the trip uh, across the pond going to do it. You had Matteo yeah, Benetti yeah. and Dre Cordero live on the call at the San Siro, which Milan fans are like, No, last time
1: you sent them, Milan lost. <laughs> so, maybe and, the problem uh, was no Dre Cordero before, huh? Maybe well, that
0: was nah, it. Yeah. Well, no, Dre nah. was with him, wasn't Dre it? Was, Dre was always with him, so yeah, Dre was with him, so. Um, yeah. you know, so, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, thankfully it worked out for the good guys, but let's get into it. Inter, uh, coming out with, uh, Handanovic. They had a back three of Skriniar, Divray Bastoni, no surprises there. Dumfries getting the start at right wing back, the midfield of Barella, Brozovic, and Chalhanolu. Ivan Perisic at the left wing back position with Dzeko and Lataro up front. Um, Michael, when this lineup came out, uh, your thoughts when, with what you saw with, how Inter were coming out and going to come after Milan?
2: Well, this is pretty much their, you know, standing, st- uh, you know, starting 11, and they're going to do exactly what Inter does. You know, the two wingbacks are going to press as high as humanly possible. Dumfries is going to come down one side, and Perisic is going to come down the other, and they're both big and strong, and they're going to try to keep you pinned in deep, and they're going to launch crosses in the middle, and that's pretty much what they did for the first 45 minutes. Yep, You're going to get some action from Dzeko up there and Latar a little bit underneath them and Barella, you know, making his runs and stuff like that. And I mean, for 45 minutes, I I would imagine any Inter fan thought, yep, this is great. You know, let's do this for another 45 minutes. This is how we play.
1: And, you know, they had to be happy as can be.
0: Yep. Uh, Richard thoughts on what Inter put out.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was about as good lineup as you could, you could put out there for them. Um, Obviously, Dumfries starting on the right hand side was a no brainer for me. You know, you could put Darmin out there, you could put a lot of people out there, but Dumfries has been playing very well lately. And you yeah. knew that him on the right hand side was going to give Teo fits um compared to what we saw last year. Right? Hakimi was giving fits last year to Teo. So you'd expect much of the same this one. So I thought the Latin was pretty good. Um, jekyll La Tauro, you know, that's a, it's an interesting. It's a, it's a, fairly standard lineup for them. You you would imagine um Correa would be a good fit for this game because he's been notorious Milan killer throughout his career. But he did not get mm-hmm. like to start in this one and having Jekyll and Lartaro, I think, is as, as a as a good thunder and lightning, if you will, NFL analogy uh to start up there. And I thought it was a, a strong lineup for for Inter.
0: Yeah, a great point about Korea too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the one care, the, the only one here for me, I mean, and, and this is really splitting hairs. Dumfries tells you that Inzaghi said, hey, we're going to have the ball and we're going to have a go at these guys. Darmian would have been a start that would have said, we're going to be very protective about our right side with Leao, with tail coming tail coming forward we're going to diffuse that with Darmian's presence who so i i feel Darmian's the better defender as a wingback than Dumfries and i think that Inzaghi looks at that looks at this and says no Dumfries can boss this flank and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to start and we're going to we're going to go at them um you know you you got Barella there i go into this thinking okay Dumfries wide this is a huge game for him Inter win because he gets, an, he gets at least an assist out of this. Um, I think about the Juventus game a couple weeks ago, and Richard, you and I talked about this. We talked about how how many times did Cuadrado turn down Murata 1v1 in the box with Kalula, where he could just put it on Morata's head, and that's a scoring chance. And he turned it down for trying to do something else or trying to do something on his own and that sort of thing. And I said, Inter's not going to do that. Inter's not going to get cute here. They see that. They're pumping it in, and they're going to put pressure. And I thought... I thought that that was going to be the way to go for them. And they kind of did it, but it was a surprise to me how successful Perisic was, uh, you know, which we'll talk about. I actually thought, you know, and Uncle Sharma, you know, reminded me on Twitter that in previous derbies, Perisic has owned Calabria, which, okay, fine. But I thought that Calabria had finally matured enough as a defender you know, to be prepared for this game and be prepared for this situation, dealing with Perisic, and that didn't happen, you know, Mm -hmm. right? We saw Perisic getting a lot of freedom, you know, very early on in the game, and that somewhat surprised me a little bit. Um, Richard, you look uh, like you're going to say something.
1: Yeah, the two wingbacks for Inter, you would imagine that Dumfries would be the more successful of the two based on the defenders that they, you know, they'd be going against, right? Uh, Even though, despite Calabria has been struggling against Perisic in the past, as you said, we would imagine that of the two defenders back there, Calabria is the more established defender. He would probably do a little bit better. He, with his smart, like you said, his experience, he should be able to adjust. And Teo, you know, would still be struggling. And we didn't see that exactly. I mean, like you said, Perisic uh, uh, pretty much did what he wanted early on. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah, definitely. So, so a lot of interesting dynamics. Up, oh, did did we lost Michael? He got so excited, he just left. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll try back. to get him. We'll we'll try yeah. to get him back in there. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean more more on Inter's lineup kind of talking about them. Obviously, you know, they were going to go with Jekyll and L- Martinez. Um Marcelo Brozovic, you know, we've had, you know, we had Anthony on previously talking about the role that he's played in protecting the back three, the job that he does, you know, and generally speaking, tens go to die against Inter just because of the presence of Brozovic and what he does protecting that back three. Yeah. Um so um yeah oh you you messaged him that's what that was okay Oh, he's back um so that dynamic challenolo pulling the strings barella for me being the guy out of the three in the midfield that was going to pick up the runs in the box that are left behind by Taro and and jeko and, and it produced a chance in the first half so we I'm no surprise to see that going on uh you know so You know, Inter came out with a strong lineup to take the game to Milan. Now, conversely, looking at Milan, um, we go Maignan in goal, uh, back four, Calabria, Kalulu, Romagnoli, and Teo. uh, Double pivot of Beneser and Tonali. uh, Kessi in the 10 with Salamakers on the right, Leo on the left, Giroud up front. Uh, Michael, start with you. When you saw that lineup, what was your first
2: reaction? Well, first, I think like everybody, Kessie playing in that spot, I thought was a little strange. I mean, mostly because he never plays there, but then also he just came back from AFCON. He left AFCON because of an injury. So like there was three or four things that just didn't kind of add up there. And then Salmacher's on the right. Just lately he seems to kind of, you know, lost the sauce, I guess, for lack of a better description. He just, he doesn't, seem to, uh, he doesn't seem to really have a good role anymore and doesn't yeah. seem to really fit what we're doing. So those are the right. two pieces that didn't make the most sense. Otherwise, I thought the rest of the lineup was uh, as expected. Okay. Richard, uh, Milan.
1: Yeah, I thought, you know, obviously the insertion of Kessie is going to be the one that everyone's going to be talking about, right? He's not an attacking midfielder. But I think given the opponent... I was curious to see how our three midfielders would do on the pitch at the same time. Yes, there's no other three. None of them are really attacking in the sense. uh, But Kessie in there, you put him to do the bulldog work. um, It could cancel out the midfield three of Inter, and I think that's what Piole was going after. Not necessarily hoping for uh, Kessie to pull the strings as a number 10, as you know, you would imagine in that role, but someone to kind of interfere what the midfield three of inter are doing and really make it difficult uh, that's at least what I imagined Pielo was trying to do. It didn't really obviously work in his favor, uh, but I can see, and I was completely fine with him doing that. And then, you know, having Salamakers on the right, a um, little bit of a uh, help with Calabria, with Paris, you would imagine. That's what that's. What, I, know, I know your pregame chat, uh, you mentioned that. Uh, that's what the role Salamakers do. That's what expe- I was expecting as well. Uh, so I wasn't too surprised about that. I mean, there's obviously other people you could put in there. No Diaz, uh, but I think in this kind of game, with that kind of midfield for Inter, Kessie was probably the better pick of between him and Diaz.
0: Um, this was purely, I mean, Kessie was not believable as a 10, didn't play like a 10. Um, oh. This was all about a three-man midfield that could protect the back four, uh, you know, maybe protect some tight through passes, uh, avoid getting beaten through the middle. Um, and then the presence of Salamak Sal, you know, you have to look at these guys functionally and what they offer to the team. And Salamakers is a box, good box to box winger. He's not a guy you're putting in there uh, to score goals or to even create goals. I mean, I think we're yeah. this is what we're getting uh, with Alexis Salamakers right now. He's a functional guy. He can he can slide in and provide cover. Maybe he provides cover when Chalanoa on the ball. He gives he slides over and gives Calabria some help. So he kind of floats around. You know, in kind of a, a supporting defender role when Milan are without the ball, not a guy right. that you're asking to, you know, do a whole lot of pressing and that sort of thing. So, you know, so when I saw that, I said, this tells me that if this is close, he, clearly he's going to be one of the guys sacrificed and a more creative player is going to come on at some point of the game. But if Milan would have gotten the lead and even a two goal lead at that, it would not have shocked me if Salamakers played all 90. Okay. Yeah. Um, it would not have surprised me in the least, Um, but that didn't happen. Um, yep. You know, but that was, that's what, when I saw this and Michael, what I was saying, you know, would, um this was a damage control 11 for me. This was a, okay, we yep. know there we're going to get inter's best shot. They're going to come at us. We're going to line up to try to defuse that see what we can if, if we can steal anything we'll steal something Yes. Um, and my thought was if this game's close by 55 60 minutes Salamakers is off for a, for a winger um, you know some of the creativity comes in that's and then those were the notes that I had on Twitter before the game I yeah. said this is we're gonna start this way Kessie's not going to be a 10 he's going yeah. to be in there to help clog up the midfield to prevent any through passes and any penetration that's going to get to the front two through yeah. the middle okay only set them I, up to I say. Agree.
2: I agree. I think Kessie is basically in there to sit on Brozovic. That's yep. the idea. He's not there yep. to create. He's not there to score goals. He's basically there just to sit on him. And like, cool. and Salamakers in the same vein is over on the side to kind of sit on Bastoni. And you know, he's just he's a box to box. Yeah, up to Bar- up to Parisic over there. I think. He, I think. I think you're. I think you're exactly right. And. You know, he's a box-to-box a winger.
0: He's he's a box-to-box winger. He's not a creator. You know, no. He's a guy, though, that has a very high work rate and can provide cover. Provides yes. cover for Calabria. Can provide cover for the midfielders when Chalhanoulu's on the ball. He kind of floats. He's not really assigned to man-mark anybody when Milan don't have the ball. And that was the role. And that if, if this game is still tight by 60 minutes, he's off. If But I'll even make – if I was making the argument earlier to Richard. If Milan are a goal or two up. It would not have shocked me if Salamaca stayed on and played the whole ninety. Oh um, no, yeah, then just be because no of to take him off. Right, functionally, yeah. what you would be looking for in that role, I, you know, I, if if Milan would have been ahead two nil by minute sixty and Pioli yanks him for Messias, I would, I would, I would, have looked at him like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. Messias is not a defender. The only thing um,
1: Salamaca is good for these days is being in Uncle Sharma's Nutmeg of the Week. Because uh, that's about all he does. No. He, he he can provide creativity, but not anything that sets him to a goal. Like he'll he he does good with the passing. He does excellent work rate, right? But in terms of shots on goal and stuff like that, he's not really creating at the moment. And like you said, he's a box to box winger, which is right odd to say. Right. Yeah.
2: No, that's the you guys... description though. I mean, you pretty much nailed exactly what he is, Frank. No doubt.
1: Yep.
0: Were you guys surprised with? pioli pressing enter so much uh early in the game.
1: I was not. I was not because that I what I I knew that Inzaghi wants to make Milan uncomfortable, especially so many players that are not in their normal starting eleven in there, uh, especially in the back. They were going to press them to try to force kind of turnovers, like in the first time they played. Right, uh, mm-hmm. kessie had a terrible giveaway in his own box and led to a goal. They wanted to make him uncomfortable, make him force him to get turnovers, and I thought that's exactly what uh, they were going to come out and do, and they they were doing that at first. And I thought Inzaghi had the tactics brilliantly at the beginning, and and with Brozovic really uh, was man man of the match up till you know obviously the later results. But uh, both of them really were had this game spot on early on, and and the the pressure was making Milan um, have to sit back, and, and they looked very uncomfortable throughout the at least opening parts of the game. Yeah. I, Michael,
0: and we let, let's try to look at it from Inter's point of view. I loved that for Inter. If I'm an Inter supporter, I love that Inzaghi wasted no time. That when in possession, Dumfries, you get high and wide right away. Okay, and oh yeah,
2: hundred percent.
0: I noticed that right off the ball, he wasn't sitting. He wasn't. He wasn't square with the ball in the middle third of the field. He was up and he was out in front of the ball and wide. And Inzaghi yep. said, just get there, okay? We're going to switch it, and we're going to get it to you, okay? He, And that's why Dumfries started. Inzaghi was setting a tone and said, we're yep. going at Teo. We're going at that left-hand side. It just so happened that some of Inter's great chances in the run of play a little earlier on in the game went on on the left-hand side with Perisic uh, getting in behind Calabria yep. a couple of times. And like I said, I – I'm willing to be okay and admit when I'm wrong. But before the game, I said, I didn't think this would be a Perisic game. I I just thought that Calabria might have finally matured enough to the point where he understands the role. He understands what Perisic brings. He has the experience. He's clearly the better defender in that position than Florenzi, that he could handle it. And he got beat a couple times. It put Milan under pressure. and, uh, And Perisic was dangerous. You know, early in the game, but Inter how they shaped themselves when they had the ball, especially as it got through the third of the field, through, into the middle third. The wing backs were up and they were wide, and that put a lot of pressure on Milan. And
2: I looked at it, I was like, "Oh shit, Michael." Yeah. Well, you you nailed it. At one point, you uh, you tweeted. I can't remember at some point in the first half, you're like, I- "I'm losing my mind because somehow Inter has more people in our box than we do."
0: That was and, at the end of the game. That was oh, at the yeah, end of the okay. game.
2: <laughs> but, but in the first half, though, but when you play a 3-5-2, though, that's the whole point is to take those seven guys and get them as high as humanly possible. Especially, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially against our team, we play a 4-2-3-1. Sometimes we're defending with five and a half, six guys, and that, that's just it. You want to throw numbers up as, as much as humanly possible and get as many 2-V-1s and 3-V-2s as humanly possible. And that's what kept happening to us. It reminded me a lot of when we played uh, Liverpool, because Liverpool did exactly the same thing. They went, they they didn't, we thought, oh shit, here comes Mo Salah. He's going to kill us on the right side. And what happened? Like Calabria's really, fighting. they killed us on the left side. Yeah. Jota yeah. and everybody else that came up the left side killed us for like the first 15 minutes. And then later on, it was Alexander, Arnold and Salah. That killed us. And this game kind of reminded me of that where in the beginning it was it was Paris Hitch and it's like, OK, we, we you know, filled the dike on that side and like, oh, shit, now the water's coming through on the other side. Yeah. And that's where like, the way the the whole first 45 minutes fell. It's like we were we were running back and forth. Trying to, you know, fill all these holes and stop the water from coming through.
0: Yeah. It's like one of those old uh, Disney Donald Duck com- uh, cartoons oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. he's yeah. like trying to where he's trying yes, to plug exactly. the dam and he gets he it won't... over on this side. And suddenly another. Yeah. Another leak yeah. pops open it... on this side and he's getting frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> With, yeah. And that's where Richard
2: God, you've got a keeper like Magnon who has his head on a swivel and is constantly moving and constantly in action. If you've got a, a a tower back there like Donnarumma, who isn't nearly as as active going back and forth, you know you're mm-hmm. you're giving up one or two more goals there. That's that's yeah. like kind of like the perfect Mignon game. I mean, he wants the action back there, yes. and like yeah. it was almost like as the half went on, the more action he got, the better he played.
1: Yep, you know? I think well, thank God. <laughs> I think this is what this is the reason why Calabria is not ready to hit that mold of the next great right back for Italian soccer because he hasn't made those adjustments yet, right? We saw that against Liverpool, no. we saw this against Paris over and over again. You know, he does so many things so well, and oftentimes he is a shutdown right back. But then these speedsters that come down his wing, he has so much trouble with. And if he doesn't have Salamakas helping out like he's, you know, he's expecting. He struggles mightily, and I think that's the one thing. If he can fix that into his game, he could be a shutdown corner or a shutdown right back for um, for, for Zuri and Milan going forward. But you know, if he gets to that level, if he can figure that out, he can become world class. But he's not there yet, and this is a huge reason yeah. why Perisic was feasting all all his first half of the game, um, and it made it made Calabria look average at you know at best. Yep. Yeah.
0: Agree. So there was that to deal with. Um, so we early on, Inter gets a great chance. It's it's uh first of all, they had the uh Perisic cross to Dumfries. Dumfries his balls were resting on Teo's head as he jumps up for the header to put it on the put it on the goal. I mean, I I just that was just so pathetic from Teo, and thankfully the linesman's flag was up, and yeah, Rip Perisic was offside. So um but Following that, another dangerous chance for Petrsic is able to get in behind. It ends up falling back to Brozovic. The shot deflects Maignan with a an incredible reflex save. Um, there's not yep. many. I, I went to Twitter right away and I said that save is exactly why Milan chose to save a hundred million over the next yeah. five years rather than continue to deal with Donnarumma and that fat fuck. <laughs> so um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I wasted no time in tweeting that. Um, so. Uh, But then a dangerous chance for Milan the other way a little bit later on in the game. Leo, I think he went on a full stop. If he doesn't slip there, he wants to curl that. Yeah. But he slips, yeah. Yeah. so he's resorting to laying it off. And Tonali gets off a great strike. Great save from Handanovic. You know, we get across. You know, it hits Patisic. It goes out for a corner. Milan's really most, only dangerous chance of the half uh you know goes by there and then shortly after that I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. That's a hell of a set corner by an Inter um to score that goal. Uh Petic on the cross yeah. from Challonolo. And I I see a lot of Milan Twitter saying, who lost their marker? Who do we you know they're, they're all pointing fingers and I'm watching this over and over again. Inter takes advantage of a well, let's honestly, I mean, Kalulu and Romagnoli is not Milan's first choice center back pairing. Okay. So they don't have their first choice guys out there to defend a corner. And what do they do? Two guy, two interplayers to the near six, two interplayers to the center six, and they completely flood the six yard, that six yard line, that six yard mm-hmm. box. And everybody from Milan went and chased those guys. And Pettisic just kind of slips into a space and, that's where Chalonolu delivers the ball and then Perez finishes it. I just – and I said to people, and I said, listen, we can be mad. We can be mad about who lost their marker and all that other stuff. That is brilliant design from Inter um, yeah. on that goal uh, to go up
1: 1-0. 100%. I think I, that's a brilliant design by by Inter. They knew what they were doing. Uh, but I'm also still going to blame Salamaker. Salamaker, that was his cover, and he blew that yes. cover. Uh, and if he was doing his job – Despite that great tactic by Inter, it would have made it more difficult on getting that shot off for Perisic. But I think,
0: but but I think that's where you give Inzaghi some credit. He knows he can create well, yeah. confusion yeah. and yeah. designs a set piece like that.
1: Absolutely. The the, the the weakness, and we saw that in the first early stages of the, the first half, was that uh, Kalulu and Romagnoli looked a little off because they looked like they hadn't played together much, right? And that's and that was the case. And so Inzaghi was brilliant in attacking that. Uh, that was the main weakness for for the uh, for Milan and. Uh, it worked and it worked brilliantly on the goal. And Perisic put it away. He didn't have to do powerful, just had to place it and did exactly that and got it past Magnon. So, full credit to Nzagi on, on setting that whole thing up. And, and Chalanolu yep. for the for the kick, obviously, too.
0: Great ball by Chalanolu. Michael.
1: Yeah. No,
2: yeah. Like like you said, Frank, some, sometimes you just, there's nobody to point a finger at. You just tip your hat to the other team and, you know, it's beautifully set up. And, you know, what helps with Inner, too, is you've got all these guys with size. I mean, that could have mm-hmm. been one of, five guys over there heading that ball in you yep. know what i mean it's not like there's only one guy you've got to follow three big center set backs. pieces with inter i mean you've got to follow Jekyll around dumfries around parisic around i mean they've got no shortage of guys not only yeah. that are tall but guys that you know can head it in and then it helps you have little mr uh turkish delight over there that can put it on a guy's head from 40 yards away on a corner yep Yep, and that's about the nicest thing I'll say about on tonight. So there you go.
0: I'll still say I'll still say we don't miss him. <laughs> so, oh <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was—I mean, that was
2: perfect. I mean, that is a textbook corner, dropped it right on his head. I mean, and then the the header was perfect because he goes to the opposite corner. You know, man. I mean, that's—you ask any keeper—that's the last place you want that header to go, it, to yeah,
0: come agreed. across your
2: body to the far corner. That's that's a tough save.
0: So, Manion made four saves in the first half. I mean, this could have, this really could have been an Inter runaway by halftime. It should have been. the way they played and the way they performed. Um, you give a lot of credit to Maignan. I, I, I said, okay, so Inter. I thought Perisic was good. I thought he was explosive, useful. Okay, I thought Dumfries was excellent in the yep. first half. I thought Brozovic was extraordinary.
1: Ro- um, Brozovic was those, were, those were the three
0: guys yep. for Inter for me that were the best players. I thought the forwards were disappointing um, yeah. for the situation that they were in. I mean, just speaking about the first half. And I thought the back three did their job. You know, They did what yeah. they were asked to do. Giroud, you know, from Milan, my comment on Twitter, I said, okay, Mignon and Tonali have been excellent. The rest of it's been a steaming pile of suck. I... <laughs> I, I will back off a little bit. I actually thought Giroud was good in the first half, but he had such a small sample to work with yeah. because the ball got to him on so few occasions. But when he mm-hmm. got it, and I said this before the game, I said Giroud is going to have to be elite in his hold-up play. And I yeah. thought he was very, very good in the first half. I thought he got the ball. He made good decisions, distributed. I He did his job. He just didn't get in. You know, it was in a situation where he didn't get enough service sent his way. He didn't get enough balls played into him. So, yeah. And I think that that's where the struggle was. It's just like you ask the question all of a sudden, how do we get this ball to him and how do we start to figure out how to play off him and get in front of him? And I think some of it had to do entirely with the lineup that Pioli selected. This wasn't a, a tactical setup where everybody is, you know, Jiroud holds it, and he's got two wingers getting in front of him, and guys that can play make that he can drop it to and feed him, where we can get some up back and through stuff or anything like that. So um, Tonali, very good. Mignon, excellent. Jiroud, you know, good when the ball got to him, but yeah, meth the rest of the way, and then the rest of it was ex- the rest of it was just hugely, hugely disappointing.
1: I think with with. Giroud, it's ex- we expect exactly what we ex- expect with Zlatan, right? Where he's gonna be quiet for most of the game, but when he gets his opportunities, he needs to be superior in those in those moments. Uh, and the whole the play has to be excellent, like you mentioned. And so Giroud was doing what he could. I mean, obviously, no having no attacking midfielder hurts, right? Uh, Kessi is not exactly an attacking midfielder; he's there for a different role. Um, and you know, Layao and or Salamakers weren't there with the ball, so the ball would get there really far ahead, and they wouldn't catch up in time. He tried to play it off to them, but it just never worked yep. out. And Inter did brilliantly in that first half. All credit to Inzaghi and, and, and the team. But, you know, they anytime Milan had the ball, it just seemed like they, they, the pressure was timed perfectly, where as soon as it got to Giroud, they, they capitalized everybody else, and they turned it over. Yeah, uh, So it was brilliantly done by Inter in the first half. They made Milan. I thought it was going to be a blowout a victory for Inter, the way the first half was going, because uh, really impressive stuff by them, really. They look, like, they look like the team we've been watching all season long, uh, the superior team in the league.
0: Yep. Michael, thoughts on Milan's first half? Yeah. Uh, and then anything you want to say about Inter, too?
2: The thing I found kind of interesting, though, was in a way they were somewhat predictable. They kept doing the same things again and again and again. Like, I don't know about you guys, you really didn't notice either Barella or Lautaro the entire first half. Mm. They were mostly mm. visible. It was down the sides, lob it to the middle. Down the sides, lob it to the middle. Which, granted, you know, with Jekyll with and two center backs that don't play against each other and, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, Hey, don't blame them. You know, that was fine.
0: The only times I noticed Barella was when he was rolling around on the ground or when he's, when he was in the referee's face.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, other I don't know how many touches he had in the first half, but he was, he was essentially non-existent and, you know, I, I, Brozovich was, I mean, if there was a man of the match for inner for the first half, it was Brozovich because like you guys were saying, every time we tried to at least, Get the ball up the field, you know, play a long ball up to either Zaru or um Kessie up there. That
1: I mean, he was there to take it away almost immediately. And his I mean, pirouettes, I mean, he looked almost Zidane esque the way he was just oh. evading defenders left and right. I mean, what a brilliant! But he, he did looked, that, he looked, he, looked, he looked so classy. Oh, yeah. I was like, Holy shit, I was like standing up and plotting him. It was yeah, so like, funny. 45
2: minutes, i <laughs> anybody all year. I thought Brozovich was unbelievable yeah i mean the one time he like stole it and did the roulette like you said like like zidane and then like did something else and it was just like you know it,
0: when brozovic did was, that i went to, to twitter watch. right that was away great when brozovic did that i went to twitter right away and i said brozovic you sure you don't want to give that northeast of england a shot here you i mean it, it can be lovely if you uh, if you make it so yeah <laughs> in yeah. in relation to how newcastle wanted him it's just like get the hell out of here! You have spoiled us in so many dar. So us Milan fans, you have ruined us in so many derbies. There's the another Milan killer right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So.
2: Yeah. There was the one a couple of years ago. We were up two nothing, and he hit that crazy shot from like forty yards that like rose and sailed into the corner of the net. And then fifteen minutes later, we went from being up two nothing to down like four to two. I mean, yep. he he generally he shows up for these games, and he's generally a nightmare for us.
0: Yes. Yep. So, halftime, one nil down, Milan. And I sat there and, and I made the comment, and I said, "I said, okay, Sallamackers comes off at some point. You have to. I mean, you're down a, you're down yeah. a goal to nil, and uh, uh, and Pioli doesn't mess around. He gets on with it right away. Uh, halftime, Sallamackers is removed for Junior Messias. Um, so that uh, that goes on in the forty sixth minute." And then in the 58th minute, Kessie is off for Diaz. So now the creativity comes in Yep. and you see the changes. Milan are definitely more dangerous in attack. Inter continue to play the way they were playing, which left the spaces open for Diaz and Messias for me in the early part of the second half and made Milan look a little dangerous.
2: Totally agree. I mean, you, you can even tell. Sorry, Richard. Um, you can even tell, like, at that point, Brozovich had played, like, 60 almost perfect minutes. But he had used, like, 95% of what was in the tank. I mean, as soon as Diaz came on the field, like, three different guys took him out. He got fouled, yep. he got fouled, and he got fouled again. Because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't need this. <laughs> you know, and it's like they almost took turns, you know, taking shots at him and just – just to backtrack real quick to the first half. Sorry to go backwards a little bit. The save that Mignon has off the deflection. That's like, to me, that's the moment of the first half. Because if you give up that deflected goal after after holding the fort for that long, it's yeah. like, shit, it's not my day. Fuck yep. it. Yeah. You know, let's and go. the save on Dumfries. You and know, the that save on Dumfries was in your amazing. Days amazing. And that's it. But you saved that, so it was like, aha. You know, maybe we survived the moment where things really go sideways. So, sorry.
1: Yeah. No, it's that's similar perfectly similar fine. similar to that Liverpool game where Milan held the fort for for most of the first half and then got those two yes. goals. The last minute, you know, delete Similar thing because that like, save on Dumfries point blank was unreal as well. When I saw those two saves, I'm like, okay, they're going to hold the fort here just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, like Frank, you are saying, Brozovic, and the midfield, they were, they were just so good. And then when the changes came in the second half, uh, it really changed the momentum of the game. Um like you mentioned, Frank, on Twitter, the insertion of Brahim Diaz is good as a substitute because especially when the opposition gets tired, he can comes in with that change of pace, really starts attacking them. Like you said, they started they started knocking him down left and right. They're worried about him. Uh, and that's I think for this kind of game, that was a perfect insertion. Pioli got the substitution spot on in this one. Uh, didn't Stevie
0: if... and I didn't Stevie and I talk about this a few weeks ago, how Brahim would be just lethal yeah. as a substitute. Yeah. Come in and change yes. the game, and
1: hmm, yeah, it's yeah. gonna have a better option in the first half. I mean, like I said, Kessie was there for a different reason, Uh, but when when Diaz came in, it really changed the the, the landscape of the game, and it started taking advantage of the tired players. And had he started the game, this result would have been a lot different, I think. Uh, in this one, it could have been a lopsided victory for Inter, but yeah, perfect, perfect way to use Diaz in this one, and it, it worked to great effect for Milan.
0: Inzaghi finally gets to the point at the 70th minute where he says, I'm not getting a second. I got to figure out how I keep this 1-0 and get the hell out of here with the three points. He uh, takes out Lautaro for Alexis Sanchez, which kind of gives you a little more... You went into counters. Now you got a guy that's got a little bit more creativity and probably a little bit better passing range. than what low tower offer. So that's kind of a scare. If you're a Milan supporter for an Inter supporter, it makes perfect sense. I think I saw a couple of inter fans on Twitter saying, this is screaming for Alexis Sanchez, this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been good lately too. yeah. And then Fede DeMarco coming on for Ivan Petisic. I think I saw Petisic pull up um, prior to that substitution. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was subtle, but and it was just kind of one of those where I think that Simone just said I'm bringing him on, uh, you know, but I also think, you know, is Perisic a defender in the strictest definition as a left wing back? No, he's not. You 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 get him to play high, run with yeah. power, and put a lot of pressure on you. Now you bring the defender in there to try to give Bastoni a little bit of help. And then Vidal coming on for Chalinola to just kind of give some extra cover. Do um, you
1: think with all the substitutions that one were they looking ahead to Liverpool and trying to rest some of their key starters?
0: No, or no, that's it. That all three of these subs tell me if we're smart, one nil is good enough. We
1: well, get out of here. Thousand, we thousand, go. My part two, my part two is Milan is not playing nearly good enough in this game. So I think we can substitute some of these guys, get them some rest, and really to shut down this game for the rest of the way because Milan's been no threat so far. That's and just then, it. At
0: that point, at that point, Milan, what were they doing? And it's if, if I, if I, if I bog this down, I understand you're, you're bringing some creative guys on fine. I'll bog this down. You've done nothing so far. You've not done nothing dangerous so far, except a, a Tonali shot from distance in the first half. If I bog this down, I'm getting out of here. One nil if everybody executes. So I don't, I, I thought the substitutions that Inzaghi made from 70 to 73 were fine. So it just so happens an excellent tackle by Giroud in the 75th minute to start a counterattack where Milan are numbers up. Tonali finds Brahim. At first, Brahim shoots, and I cussed at him because I was like, Messias was unmarked. But he shoots, and it deflects and falls to Giroud, who scores to make it to make it 1-1. So instantly, Simone and has good intentions, but two minutes after all these substitutions, they backfire, and we have a game on our hands. Uh, yep. Your guys' reactions when you saw the first reaction I had Giroud were you on side? That was like the biggest. That was like the first yeah. and biggest thing yeah, that I was like, yeah. and I was like staring at the TV. I wasn't even celebrating. My son will tell you this because he was watching the game with me. He said, "Daddy, why would you celebrate? They scored." I said, "I want to make sure he was on side."
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> so, man, look at the referee. See, make sure he was on side, right? Yep. Go um, ahead, guys. Your, your thoughts well, on the goal, Michael? I'm gonna go first because I want your take on this. So, the big controversy of that play is the. Is the Alexis and, and Giroud coming together, and then it leads, ends up leading to a goal. Um, uh screaming that it should have been a foul against Alexis, right? And they go down, and obviously Raheem takes a shot, and, and Giroud score. Great time to score that goal. Yep. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, when you're watching live, it looks like, oh, shoulder to shoulder, but, you know, it could go either yeah. way, inconclusive, really. You watch the replay. Well, some of the replays I saw, Giroud gets the ball first, and he actually was yes. first right on the ball first, and then they ran into each other. Is that what you saw? What did you see? Because uh, you know, I've seen some interviews even show that they're saying, like, look, even Nima, Nima's, you know, Nima was like, yeah, no, this is Jeru got the ball first. Uh, it's it's like all credit to him. Yeah. So, wh- that what you saw as well? Yeah, yeah,
2: no, I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, and actually, I saw Nima's tweet, and he he pretty much nailed it. I mean, that's your that's your textbook. You know, you get the ball first, and then you know, shoulder barge, and you end up going through the guy, and it's you know, it's nothing, and you just and you just play on. I'm sure. Frank will tell you back in the day playing striker more than a couple times. He probably took a few uh, center backs out doing that sort of thing up top. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's yeah. You I knew person, I, I, I had all the, the dirty. D- I, but, I I yeah. There's, there's listen. There.
0: I knew what you weren't seeing. <laughs> that was the when I played. Yeah, I, behind. I knew the what left you left left weren't left seeing. Right. I was like, okay, where that are you? Lo- right. Right. I, what what can I get? Oh, you, this guy. I know what I can get away with. <laughs> Oh my! But yeah, I, oh, there you I'm. He won the ball first before any contact between the yeah. two players. So I had yeah. no issue yeah. with the, yeah, with the play. Yeah. So yeah, that's
2: like you said. Nema's tweet pretty much broke it down and and nailed it perfectly. But yeah, and yeah. and that's you know it's funny because Drew generally you think of him as the guy that stays up top. He tracks back here and there, but not a whole lot. But you know, in that moment, I mean, him tracking back made all the difference to to set up that play, making it happen. then we got a little deflection that ended up going in the back of the net. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we got a little bit of good fortune there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And then just three minutes later, uh, Milan get another counter, get some numbers. um, And uh, a goal of the week candidate for me, uh, Calabria plays the ball with a Cruyff turn in front of De to make the space and then curl it and finish to put Milan ahead, two goals to one. Um, that one I celebrated. I think people uh, yes. living yes. about five houses down from me could hear me. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that one just, you know, again, we, we I, I said, you know, before the game, Jorud needs to be elite in his hold-up play. Part of hold-up play is creating space for yourself um, and making enough space for yourself to take – those half chances, this was a half chance when you take a look at it, because for a couple of reasons, even with that turn, there isn't a whole lot of space. Okay. And then the second thing is, is that um, the goalkeeper reads the shot Handanovich reads the shot. He just doesn't make the save. And on a different day, and in a different moment, that ball is saved. And this game ends one, one, you know, so on the one end, All credit to Giroud for the turn and for the finish. It was brilliant. On the other end, I mean, Handanovich kind of gets the, you know, kind of almost gets flop of the match for this. This is one that he should save. Um, But Milan, go ahead. Nonetheless, Milan,
1: go ahead 2-1. Yeah. Lisa, you can go first on this one.
2: Oh, no, I I was just going to say, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Frank, you got it right where – where uh you know and Zagi tried to make some make some subs to go ahead and win the game one nothing and then
1: Uh oh. Oh, did we lose him? Did we lose him? Right, I think we lost him here. So I'll I'll jump in here until we can yeah, get jump back in. in. Uh so interesting. I mean those two goals are brilliant and I think Obviously, the insertion of Diaz really changed the game, right? Changed the landscape of things. And I think a couple of questions in, in the chat that kind of refers to this and uh that kind of led to because we saw the insertion of Diaz against a very tired midfield really changed the dynamics. And Ali Ali Oxenfree says, you know, how much you guys think Kessie was on for the first half was to tire out the interest midfielders. I think that was the that was the key. As as Michael mentioned, you know, he was there to you know pretty much guard Brozovic, right? And it's tire out the guys and let and they were running around a lot, and then uh, what was the second part of this question? Uh, and I agree. Had Diaz started, it would have been a different game because they would have bullied him around. And I think bringing on Diaz, as we mentioned uh, in the second half against a tired midfield, really tired them out even more so. So I think it was a combination of you know uh, what bringing starting with Kessie and then um, and then bringing on Diaz after. And you know Cliff had an interesting question too, which you know Brozovich, We mentioned how good of a game he was having. He was he was playing really well. Um, and he asked, you know, how, where do you rank Brozovic in terms of best CMs in, in, in Serie A? Yeah, let's in the derby, in the derby, he is the top. If you use his derby form, he's the best midfielder in Serie A.
0: You could put Brozovic in the world 11 yeah. if you only had him play in Milan derby yes, every week.
1: Yeah. But outside of the derby, if you include <clears throat> all the games, like like, like Cliff is asking, I would probably still have him in the top five. Uh, because when he's on his game he is brilliant a brilliant player and you know he scores these bombs from distance of course against Milan uh but he is still a very good midfielder um and I even at, even at his age I would still put him in the top 5 for me and if you if it was just the derby you're talking about he's number 1 he might be world class player Modric, right there but uh where you guys rank brozovic in terms of best center midfielders in serie a
0: i think he was in our squad rifinora he was at least in mine i think um, you know, through the half season, I I think he's one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, I, and I'm not afraid to say that. I, you know, you you say five, so let's try to identify those five. He's up there. Sergey Milinkovic savage is up there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Fabian is up there. Yeah. Um, I would probably yeah. go with those three for sure.
1: And Lisa, this year, think that, well, but...
0: And I think that Sandro Tonali, with each week, is getting a seat at that table. Yeah. Um yeah. I, you know I think that those are probably the four you know if you're if you're pressing me off the top of my head that I would probably say are are the best midfielders in this league. So yeah, yeah Brozovic is easily in that conversation.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So um Teo I mean, takes one Okay, so it's not a Milan game with Pioli trying to figure out a role for Rade Krunic unfortunately. <laughs> and he takes off Bennacer. <laughs> And I had, I was angry with this substitution, but I had people telling me, well, it's because, you know, Benister's on a yellow, you don't want to get him sent off. And I said, Benister's yellow was kind of a weak yellow to me. And I think with the exception of that foul, I think Benister played with a lot of control and there wasn't really anything to worry about with him getting a second yellow because when he came off, Kroonich came on, and this is where we were talking about earlier, uh, Michael, how I was getting upset because as the game was ending, um, as the game was ending and Inter was coming forward, I was looking at the box. I wasn't looking at the guy with the ball. I was looking at the box. Milan were outnumbered. How does that happen? And you know how that yeah. happens? You put Kroonich in the game who doesn't know where to go but cuz cuz Benacer was sitting in front of that back four and winning tackles. And if Benacer was still in the game, he's in that position and at least the numbers are even in those in those situations and I'm like you're 2-1 up in the derby. How in the how in the holy fuck are you numbers down in your own box with the ball wide? I was like the right ball if the right ball comes in this ends 2-2. You know, and that was one thing that I was getting very very concerned about as a Milan support. Michael, well, especially Michael, if you had, has,
2: had a guy like Benacer that was sitting back there almost as a center back, that's like five foot nothing, with a guy like Perisic still on the field. I mean, yeah. I think well, really, was out. It really was, was, out. It, really was, it really was scary to see him, you know, track back there and try to deal with things.
0: Yeah, yeah, I that was that and was you the too
2: like late in the game as we attacked. Kalulu floated off to like right back and Benacer kind of sat next to Romagnoli
1: yeah. yep.
2: and uh, I guess Calabria must've moved, must've moved way up the field, you know, to join the attack. But like yep. at that point it's two to one, like yep. we, we got the lead guys. We can, we can come back to goal now, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Pioli's idea there was to just keep attacking for the last eight to 10 minutes. Or, or yeah. what? But it, it, it seemed like that was his idea, was to finish the game by pressing high and attacking. But that's that's pretty dangerous. Fight Richard, fire
0: there. Richard, this was a substitution masterclass by Stefano Pioli. And throughout the course of the second yeah. half, Stefano Pioli outmanaged Simone Insagi. There's no point. Of, but this yeah. substitution here, this decision here, nearly split the points. Okay? Yeah. Because positionally, Kroenich doesn't do what Beneser does. And I would rather have Beneser there and risk getting the second yellow, knowing that I've got a tackler, knowing that I've got a ball winner, stay out there, wear his ass out. This is the Derby. This is not where you try to, as Anthony says, this is not where you try to figure out where to fit in your teacher's pet. And I've said this before about Pioli, as much as, as dearly as I love the guy and as, and, 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 Michael and I, we were, we were alone on Pioli Island. You, me and Sabrina, when this hire happened, he said, this is a good hire. Let's go get it. All right. And, and Richard, I think you were somewhat on board with it. I had to talk you into it, I talk to um, you it. <laughs> but, but this substitution was so baffling. This was, this almost gave back a couple points to enter just by, by, by doing that. It's just like, and I even made this comment. I can't remember what game it was. It's like
1: Milan could have the,
0: the, the the budget and the bankroll of PSG, and Pioli will still figure out how to play Kroonich.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben Asser looks so silky smooth. He's doing everything right defensively. I, I know a couple of times the commentator, you know, Dre and, and Mateo were trying to say, you know, oh, well, he, maybe he's not doing it that great of a job. But he was. I thought he was doing a really good job in this game. Um, and I agree with Ali Oxenfree that, you know, that change of yes, Ben going yes. off, Kroonich coming on, led I'm the pointing tail. pointing at it right now. Highlight you know, it. Highlight it. You know it. why? You know why? Because... Into her, just doing whatever the hell they wanted, and Milan were getting frustrated. They couldn't stop him. And had Teo not done that stupid foul, which was the right foul, I think, because he got the red, it was that's just it. That's just it. Really, it, I mean, it. Dumfries got
0: free, and there were numbers again, and Krunich was nowhere to be found. And Teo yeah. said, Fuck it, I'm taking one for the team right now. There's Absolutely. no this this Absolutely. attack isn't happening. I'll take my I'll take the red right here and and, and miss whoever we play next week, yeah, to win yeah. this game. And what time you
1: want to see a red card because yeah. it was the
0: right call, it was a professional red. Yeah. And I was wondering when somebody was actually going to do that or somebody was going to figure it out. So, because it was just so baffling to me that you're winning the Derby. What the just I, that was the only thing out of Milan's performance in the second half that frustrated me. Yeah. So, you know, you, you almost gave Inter every opportunity to get it back and, you know, and to get a goal back out of it. But in the end, yeah, two one to Milan, and now we have a title race. Um yeah. three-team race for now. Yeah, th- three team race, yeah. And we'll talk about yeah. it. We, I see Rafa in the chat. We'll talk about Napoli in a little bit here. But yeah, all you nail it. cringe yeah. coming on led to Taylor's red. Yeah. So if Benizaire doesn't get the red for a second dirty tackle, then Teo gets the red.
1: Teo might have got it too, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. There's a I can't fight you on that. <laughs> so yeah. uh speak on the importance of this game for Milan as you, you know, Richard and I talk about Milan all the time on this podcast, Michael, you're the guest and Milan supporter speak on the importance of this win for the Rosanetti.
2: Uh, I think it's important because I think you go from being in uh, panic mode. Can we please finish just in the top four and not drop out of it this to all of a sudden you're right back in it. You're looking at the schedule next week. Juve's got Atalanta, uh, Napoli's interest got to go all the way down to Napoli. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a race again. Whereas, you know, before the game, you're like, oh, if we can get a draw, you know, we can stay top four. You know, we didn't bring any transfers. So, you know, all the tea leaves here tell me that we're not really trying to win this thing to all of a sudden by Saturday night, you're like, oh, game on. Let's go. So Mm -hmm. that's the way I see
1: it. And I think, I think what you hit the nail on the head there because, you know, it's funny. Everybody in Calcio Twitter was saying, oh, Milan did nothing. They were terrible in the transfer market. They're not going to even make the top four now because of this. And then, oh, look, yeah. now they win the game against the best team in the league. And everyone's like, oh, never, maybe they knew what they were doing. Like, I I think I mean, Milan were looking for certain players, but if they couldn't get them, they're, they're fine with what they had. I mean, with the emergence of Kalulu lately, uh, Romagnoli's gotten a lot better as well. Um I think they're happy with what they have. They want to obviously improve, but if it's not there, they're not going to waste their money on things that don't fit the project. And so Milan showed that they are still a contender. Had they lost, this a bit of a story maybe, but they show they're still a contender, and now it's a wide-open race because you mentioned Inter go against Napoli down south, and then Juve, Atalanta. I mean, we've got some tasty draws here. I mean, if those end up being a draw and Milan get a win, they're in top spot. Obviously, Inter have a game in hand. Um, but still, it's, uh, it's a, it's a wide-open race this year. and it's, it's fantastic to watch.
0: You're buying for the sake of buying. I mean, and again, we've hammered this point home. We're talking about a Milan that throughout the course of the season, and I think this, you know, I, I credit you with this statistic because I think this is where I got it from, Michael. 21 of 29 Milan senior players throughout the first half of the season have been out through COVID injuries or otherwise, okay, yeah, and they're second, and they're a point out. Why yeah. do you need to get anybody? You know what? What yeah. is who are you going to add? That's going to add, that's going to suddenly say, "Well, shit!" Now they're going to win the title, okay? And even if you got a creative yeah. right no winger way. in here, that everybody is playing that position and getting used to is not like you know plug and playing the role that Sergio Oliveira has given at Roma. OK, you know, or what Gozins is going to get to do at Inter. OK, um, you know, after one week, I'm probably going to be served a plate of crow about Vlaovic, but I'm not eating it yet. Um, so, you know, I'm still going to stand by my belief that January transfers, maybe one out of every 20 work right away. OK.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, exactly.
0: And I'm not going to change my mind about that. I mean, you haven't, especially if they're coming from other countries. There's adaptation. There's language. There's culture. There's so many other things just beyond the ball at your feet. You know, and we've seen it. I mean, I'm frightened of the banter era when, what do we get? Destro and bochetti and and who else did we get that window? Like, and Galliano, yay, we fixed it. No, you didn't. You didn't. You just you made it Maddie worse. Fernandez? You gave us you gave us more people to hate. I mean, that's what you yeah. did. So I mean, so anyway, uh, you know, the, the guy, the, the, the transfers that did happen in January, we'll talk about that in a little bit. They made sense. Will they all work out immediately? No, they're not all going to work out immediately. Okay, but they'll, they'll, they're, they're, there's some merit. Okay. There's a, there's a couple that are kicking on right away. I've, I, I when when Sergio Oliveira got signed by Roma, I immediately said, I said this is perfect for Roma. I said this is this guy's going to plug right in and fit in and and and, and he's <laughs> excuse me, he's done that. So, um, but you know, I, I just I'm, I'm kind of drifting off into tangent but as it pertains to Milan. They you know I don't like saying you you use this it's like a new signing on Twitter, Michael, and I want to just like sometimes reach across. To- <laughs> reach across the monitor reach across the laptop and slap you for it because i hate that i hate that saying it's the
2: worst saying on the planet (laughs) but it's hilarious because it's us and we can laugh about it so it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) i hate when people do that it's just like it's the worst thing ever it is not a new signing he's been
1: there he's just been hurt it's like and speaking of the worst things ever some international, some, interesting, no. some interesting like saying, "Oh, this is over. Races, the title race is over. We lost it." It's like, calm down. You have the most superior team in the league. Yeah, relax. It's one game. This is second loss of the season. You got Golson's coming in. Relax, okay? It's it's a this result. game. It
0: this game got away from Inzaghi. Yes, and
1: that's what it was.
0: And I don't, I do not begrudge him for the changes. Minute seventy to minute seventy-three. I think those changes that he made, those substitutions that he made, were appropriate. I thought that they were appropriate. Yep. You're, okay, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. Okay, one nil's good. If we everybody does their job, we get out of here 1-0, we get some distance on them, and and off we go. So I had no problem with the substitutions. The game got away from them. Milan found their chances, and they finally finished. And, uh, you know, the game got away from Inzaghi. On a different day, everybody holds it down, and they win 1-0. So Nathan's yeah. saying hopefully Scudetto gets away from Minzagi too. <laughs> well we'll see. I
1: tell you two got two key players from a lot or there's several key players, but I think obviously Mike Magnon man, man of the match. Tonali Yeah, all man of the match. The, yeah. Tonali was second probably because he was exceptional. Trying wanted to fight everybody yeah. on Inter, which is great to see. You know, a little bit of Tusso in him right there, right? Magnon's
0: man of the match because Inter could have been up two or three nil no by halftime and this thing could have been already sorted. OK, as great yeah. as Giroud was on his goals and Diaz, the difference that he made, said Milan are not in this position to do this without Mike Manion Michael, you I'm assuming you agree.
2: Oh, yeah, 100 I th- percent. I think if you watch the first like uh, Richard was talking about earlier, the first half at Liverpool, you know, we got those goals towards the end of the first half. But I think if you watch the first half of that game, followed by the first half of this game, you would have thought you watched. This, and not only the same two, you know, the same two halves in a row, but the greatest goalkeeping performance over ninety minutes, like of all time. I yep. mean, because in that game the guy was unbelievable, basically playing by himself. And in this game the guy was, uh, you know, I mean, maybe I'm a Milan fan, and, you know, I, I'm crazy or whatever, but I, I haven't seen a guy uh, make those kind of saves, command his area. I mean, nobody gets in there. I love yeah. the fact that yeah. the guy never smiles. He yeah. never has a smile on his face. He plays frantic and pissed off, and every cusses out his defense all the time. Boxes, I love the attitude he brings yeah. to the field. I love it.
0: Just, just don't, don't, don't hire Amino Rayola as an agent, please. Yeah, yeah. Hey.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hire Frank Covella. He's a real. Smart I'll,
0: guy. Yeah. Hey, or my my <laughs> brothers, my brother, my brother has a law degree. He could probably. You could probably uh, figure out how to, you know, and then I can just be an advisor to my brother and say, yeah, 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 okay, make sure we get a cut. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so we'll, we'll see, but we should probably talk about the other 16 teams that played this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, some good games. <laughs> some good games. Some interesting results. All right. But, but, but
0: before we do, um, DiBello's performance kind of came into contention by both. Uh, Milan and Inter Twitter on on Twitter, and I've I've said, I'm here's here's my take, and I'm you know you as the resident referee, I'm going to let you speak about the decisions and how he performed, but I'm going to say this: it's a derby, and he let them play. I am fine with yes. a referee that lets teams play in a big game and doesn't make it about him. Okay, I have I think just about. All of his decisions were fine. I didn't have a real argument with any of them. The only one that I probably questioned was the quick yellow on Romagnoli for his challenge. I believe it was on Jekyll. Other than that, I don't think he really whiffed throughout the course of this game. And when a game of this magnitude, make it about the teams and make it about the players. Yes. Throw the yellows yep. where it's necessary, which overall I think he did. And I, I think the referee was fine. Michael.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I thought he did an excellent job. I agree with you. I thought the, the yellow on Romagnoli early, I don't I don't know that the match needed that at all. No. Um I, I think that, that felt like overreaching a little bit. I was worried at that point that, oh shit, here we go. We're gonna have like nine yellows before this game is over and it's gonna get ridiculous. But I thought he let the match happen after that. Um the only other thing I thought was Right after Diaz came on, he, like I said, he got destroyed like three or four times in a row. One hmm. time, especially Brozovich, just, you know, came across like knee to knee and, you know, studs up and then down right on top of this foot at the same time. I thought uh, Brozovich was getting a little tired, and that was a bit of a, a desperate foul as possession changed. And Maybe there could have been a yellow there. But other than that, I, I thought he handled it great. I thought he yep. did a really good job. Like you said, I, in a game like that, You want the players to determine the outcome of the game. Um, You don't want, you know, like I said, nine, 10, 11 yellow cards or, or, or any or constant stoppages. I thought it felt like the game absolutely flew by, you know, I didn't feel like there was much standing around, you know, waiting for cards to finish up. You know, I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot. He didn't, he gave no time to any sort of flopping or simulation, You know, a couple times Barella did his thing where he flies through the air and lands on the ground. And, you know, he just turned and let the play kept going. So yeah, I thought he did an excellent job.
0: Ollie, how about the how about the tail red? Are you okay with that being a red? I'm sorry, what's up? Uh the tail red. Are you okay with that being a red?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it felt like a couple of the fouls late were pretty heavy and sloppy. Like I said, the Brozovich one, especially. I mean, I think maybe he was a little overly excited, but at the same time, the intent was there by Th- by Teo to take him out. I mean, that was yeah. not a football play. So It was malicious. You know, I, it was malicious. I'm with by, you. I think that easily slides into being a red card.
1: So... Okay prior to this red card they kept going at it they were bickering at each other all game long it was festering and i and i like michael said i think it was absolutely intentional what teo did because of what was brewing and then that foul i think had to be a red i think i have no issues with that red and i think the referee did it actually was did a fine job i think it's one yeah. of the better better refereeing performances in the derby in a long time um i thought teo deserved that red Taylor didn't even argue he just go right out um and it was overall good performance, but yeah, I mean, I could see that being a, you know, people say, I want to see say it's a yellow, uh, but you watch them brewing throughout the game. Tonali kind almost of got to fight with Dumfries because of, you know, tail and, and Dumfries uh, going at it for long periods of time. And so, yeah, but intentional. I was fine with that red. I don't like to see it, but obviously I thought it was red as soon as he did it. I was like, eh, it, it is what it is.
0: We covered this derby on every, we must've covered every minute of this derby. I mean, we're just, we crushed this, guys. Great job. I'm not, I'm, sometimes I'm going to just self applaud our work. I'm going to do it right now. I mean, <laughs> I, I, hey, if I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there, I said, the best Darby de need a breakdown, you're going to get anywhere. You got it right here. So, you're almost as
1: long as the game. Damn.
0: Yeah, I know. But Jesus. <laughs> like, we, we, we spend an hour talking about the Darby. So the, the game itself, obviously, an hour and a half. So um, let's uh, so let's use that half hour to talk about the other sixteen teams that played this weekend, and then there's two playing on Monday. So um, before the derby, we had Roma and Genoa playing to a nil-nil draw. Um, Roma sixty-three percent possession, twenty-three shots, three on target. Nicolas Anelos scoring late in the game, but it comes back. Uh, to a VAR review because Tammy Abraham uh, earned an unfair advantage by stamping a Genoa player uh, en route to that goal. The referee calls the goal back. Roma settles for the draw. Zaniolo says something about the referee's mother, gets sent off. Prior to that, Ustegaard for Genoa got sent off. It was funny to watch Ustigard complain after he got up and after the referee showed him red. Dude, you choked the guy. <laughs> you had a chokehold on the guy
1: literally like this on Gian I'm yeah. like hey, what are you doing yeah
0: and and you're and the referee is 3 yards away from you you're 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 going home <laughs> just deal with it there's no getting away from that so um, if Sergio goes back to ESPN the three of you better get a job offer facts <laughs> thanks george
1: so, are we going to talk about the non-goal? Did you talk about the non-goal? We should talk. We, about the we just talked.
0: We talked about the non-goal. Yeah, Zaniolo scores. It comes back because uh, Abraham ends up st- uh, stamping a Genoa player.
1: Lisi, are you okay with that call? I, I was Romanisti
0: were were pissed. I, I don't know them, what they're
2: but...
0: and I I don't know what they're pissed about. I thought it was I thought I thought they were right. I thought this was a good use of VAR, and I thought the foul was right and and I thought they were right in going about it. Michael, what do you think?
2: Um, I don't know. I I hated it <laughs> because, like, the spirit of the game says, let's just keep playing and let's go. But I mean, the way we use VIR, we look at every little thing. And I mean, clearly, clearly, it's a foul in the in the build up to the goal. I mean, no Roma yep. fan on the planet wants to hear that because it sucks. But, you know, I mean, the way, the way we use VAR at this point, I mean, that's how it's used and it's a foul in the buildup. So, so it's no goal, you know, five years ago, nobody sees that foul. It's a goal. You know, you wonder why some guy's laying on the ground behind the play and then, Oh, you know, he got stuck. But nowadays, you know, things have completely changed with VAR and and it's no goal. Yep. Yep.
0: I I'm, I think, in the strictest definition, and then with the way that VAR is used, and then the strictest interpretation of the laws of the game, going back to to interpret that as a foul was fine. I mean, just in terms of using VAR, just from just just my own opinion. Um,
1: the general but, player was down on the ground. I mean, um, he got the ball first before Tammy, so I mean, yeah, it was a foul. You said you hate to see it, but you see a guy writhing on the floor you have to go back and look at it, especially with a goal right there. And I think it was the correct call as much as, you know, I hate to see it. And even Lisa said that it's, uh, it's, it's a correct call.
0: Um, how about this for a nickname for Manolo Portanova? Baby, baby Tonali.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. He's a, I mean, Tonali's a, Tonali's a
0: baby himself. That's a problem. Yeah.
1: We can't. Yeah. yeah. Baby or not. No, no, that's not a word. <laughs> uh,
0: the polyglot is inventing new words.
1: If Don <laughs> so, King can do it, I can do it too.
0: This is true. Do you know that he said that the uh, Twin Cities were Minnesota and Milwaukee? <laughs> the state of Minnesota is a city to him. I mean, you got the Twin Cities, Minnesota and Milwaukee. Yeah, the Twin Cities are St. Paul and Minneapolis, and Milwaukee's a six hour drive away. I should know. <laughs> it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Oh man, Don King, always good for a soundbite. Yeah. Uh, we, we got Lacy working on some technical difficulties. We hope to have him back soon. Let me just go through the rest of these scores, Richard. Yeah. Fiorentina nil, Lazio three. Life after uh, Dusan Vlaovic kind of sucks for uh, Lazio or for Fiorentina right now. It was great for Lazio; they didn't have to play him. Um, Arthur Cabral though did have a really nice chance in the first half. The uh, uh, he's just going to need some time, um, you know, to kind of get acclimated. Perfect example coming over from ba- Basel and now having to play in City. He's not going to get it right away. So, uh, but Lazio looked fantastic in this game. Finally got the breakthrough in the second half Sergei Milinkovic savic in the 52nd minute, uh, Chiri Moble in the 70th, and then what ended up being a Cristiano Baraghi own goal in the 81st. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas Torreira said something about the referee's mother in the 85th minute and got sent off for it. Um, Lazio go on to win 3-0.
1: That's four red cards on Saturday. Man, people were not behaving. Every, everyone was happy to see Milan win, I guess. Red, reds everywhere.
0: Three more reds on Sunday. Um, we'll start with one. Atalanta won, Cali two. 2 um, Musso getting sent off um, for his challenge, uh, and I want to say that was on Yeah, uh, Atalanta lost to a... Atalanta lost to a Callieri team that didn't have an attacker. That's this
1: true. This is true. That is
0: unbelievable. Look at this lineup. I mean, here's Callieri's lineup. Crano, back three of Goldaniga, um, Lovato, and Ober. Grassi holding. Midfield Bel- uh Belanova is a wing back. Um nice cross for Pernero on one of the goals, by the way. Yes, um Martin, Diola, and Lico Giannis, and then up front the deadly. The deadly duo, George is here. That's why we got to give give Calerie time. <laughs> <laughs> the deadly duo of Dalbert and Gaston Peredo, the lethal strike force of Dalbert mm-hmm. and Gaston Peredo, yeah. uh, wreaking havoc on Ledea at the, G- at, the G- at the Gavis. Um, <laughs> a brace for Gaston Peredo, uh, winning the game two two to one. Um, uh, Palomino getting an equalizer in the 64th, but Perero that was the cross from Bellanova. Great, great stuff there. 68th minute to beat Ladea 2-1. Uh, just more egg on yeah. Gasparini's face to lose to a team that didn't even play a forward. So there you go. Um, Bologna and, and here's how great this weekend was for, um, for, uh, Caleri. Uh, Bologna and Empoli played a combined three forwards and neither team could score. So, <laughs> yeah. nil nil, yeah. nil. Uh, Empoli outshot Bologna 15 to 12, had four shots on target. Uh, Bologna had a little bit more of the ball. Um, Arnautovic was good, but not good enough to score. Uh, Zerkowski, another guy that might find work somewhere else. Um, You know, having another great game for Empoli, a guy that uh, we need to continue to keep our eye on, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, How about uh, former players scoring on you? Uh, Poor Sassuolo, because two former players scored on them. Uh, And Sampdoria goes on to a 4-0 win. Marco Giampallo all of a sudden working some magic at his old stomping grounds, at his old place of employment. My cousin, Francesco Caputo, goal of the week candidate. Nice little uh, volley back after the uh, Condreva cross in the fifth minute. Just two minutes later, Stefano Sensi. I think Inter could have used him uh, in the derby. Uh, But instead he's playing for Sampdoria now. He scores in the seventh minute. Goal of the week candidate in the 63rd minute. Andrea Conti. great to see him playing well after everything he's been through. Um, just wasn't going to be a Milan player anymore with what they've got available at right back. Great free kick from Kandreva, finding Conti, who finishes it first time. Kandreva finishing. uh, Who says he can't play in this 4-3-1-2? But Kandreva getting it done with a goal and two assists. Sampdoria winning 4-0. Venezia and Napoli, a 2-0 win uh, for the Partenope in the 59th minute. A Victor-Ossiman header. Uh, that's my Capo Canegnati pick. And if he was healthy, I would argue that he would be among the leaders in goals right now. Um, he cool. scores after being served in by Matteo Politano. Uh, Tyron Ibuhi in the 95th minute commits a foul. And then in the 100th minute, pies for everybody. Andrea Patagna uh, scoring an easy one, making it 2-0. Michael's here for the pies for everybody. We don't have 75-year-old Goran Pandev anymore, so we've got oh. yeah, we've got pies for everybody. And we it might still like have Pandev, but back if,
2: up, so, we won't have Pandev anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, not
0: not the way blessed, not the way blessing plays. I don't think that Pandev would probably last ten minutes
2: yeah.
0: and get tired. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, moving on. So yeah, Napoli move into second. Rafa's pointing that out for all of us uh Udinese two, Torino nil Nahua Molina in the 93rd minute free kick goal of the week candidate and then in the 97th Pussetto uh with a penalty uh doing away Torino there Ivan Juric watching that game from the stands uh Torino having a, Torino having a lot of the ball Udinese having a lot of the chances pretty much how that game broke down and Juventus how would the two new signings do well they both scored Uh, In the 13th minute, Dusan Vlaovic with a goal-of-the-week candidate. Um, Paulo Dybala with a half-volley through pass to Dusan Vlaovic, who put a half-volley past the goalkeeper and scored. Uh, 13th minute, one goal to nil. Anyone curious about Dusan Vlaovic's stat line on the day? Four shots on target, one off target. Uh, Fouled a couple times, scored a goal. Um, Making my prediction about how he's going to do it, Juventus looked really, really bad. <laughs> to start things off. Uh but uh, Zakaria scoring the second goal but big big props to Morata for the ball uh played in wonderful assist. Uh 2-0 no there so the two new signings getting on the score sheet
1: for Juventus winning by two goals to nil. Did you notice well oh, I didn't hear, I didn't hear about this but Ali Ali oxenfree says uh Kalinic terminated his contract after the game. I didn't hear about this. Uh that's interesting. I guess he realized he sucked and he wanted to get out but that's news. I mean I'm not sure what, what's the story behind that, but I I'm curious. Do you guys know what's going on with that? I, well, I, I if I if, if Cam- heard
2: about it, but I he had the same thing. He asked me if I knew any details, and I have no idea. It was it was quite bizarre, especially, you know, the window just ends and you terminate your contract. I don't
0: know. Comes on as a substitute, plays 18 minutes, created a chance, had across. Um Touch the ball seven times in those eighteen minutes. Um anyway, I I don't know. Um the fact that I, I don't know, I think I would tear up my contract if the manager was picking Kevin Lasagna over me too. So um Lasagna's
1: better. <laughs> Not much, but then yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so, Where's Montella um, coaching? Maybe he's going there.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, Nathan saying, "Yeah, he's out and he's joining a Croatian club." So yeah, he has to be terminated. Maybe, maybe that just did. Wants to probably go home and play for a for a club at home, and yeah. probably had it with Italy. So that's not out of the question. Um, the Muso red, Michael. I I thought that was fine. I I don't have a problem with that for Atalanta's goalkeeper getting sent off on uh, the challenge on Pareto.
2: No, no, yeah, no. I I agree, hundred percent. It just continues Atalanta just being bizarrely terrible at home. Although, you know, it, it's interesting. Them and Empoli both are these odd teams that are incredibly good on the road and both terrible at home. This is kind of one of my little takeaways. A lot too. Segway into, yeah. But, but, I mean, those two are, like, Atalanta, yeah. I think, right yeah. now has three wins from, like, 12 games at home, something yes. like that. It's yeah. absolutely terrible. But it's funny, like, the way they play is they are a great road team. They they want to counter and they want to press and they want to do all that kind of stuff, which when you think about it, it's like, you know, works great on the road when you go play the big boys and stuff. But then how do you flip that over to how you play at home, especially when, you know, they're supposed to be in a, you know, a bigger club now and in Champions League every year. I think they have. You know, oddly a bit of uh, uh and they did that in Champions League too. I mean, the last Champions League game at home, they I can't was it Villarreal? One of the Spanish teams, they completely shipped yeah. the bet. Yeah. You, know? mm-hmm. you know, and and I mean otherwise, I think all they had to do was like draw or something like that, and they couldn't do it at home, you know. And you know, them and Empley both they're they oddly have this home field like identity crisis, Because if you look at both of them as far as like road road points, I think Atlanta. Still has lost on the road. Yeah. Atalanta's unbeaten
0: like, away. Yeah. They have the best away record in the league. Yes.
2: Yeah. Nine Milan, years.
0: Milan's second, interestingly enough. So yeah. Atalanta have nine wins and three draws. Milan have nine wins, two draws, and a defeat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But then if you look at, like I said, them on the road, it's like three wins out of 12. I think they have like 13 points from 12 road game, home games, or something. But like if they just won half their home games, they might yeah. be on top of the table. Well, but instead, if you,
0: If you just do home games on the table, Atalanta's 12th.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Empoli's, I think Empoli's down in, I don't know, 15th, 16th, something like that. And they've won like six on the road and they can't win at home. It's, they're, they're two really strange teams on the table when you look, look at home and road difference, but they play similar styles. They play an underdog, you know, counterattack, press sort of style that, you know, fits an underdog road team, but, Somehow it just doesn't work at home for both of them, which, you know, it's it's not just been a trend over three weeks. I mean, it's been a whole season for both of them. And, you know, I don't think it's going to cost employee relegation or anything like that. I think they're fine. But I mean, you know, Atlanta right now is, you know, on the edge of top four and, you know, not that many points from getting down into like the seven spots. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them over the next month or two.
1: What do you guys think of that first goal that uh, Cagliari scored? Pereiro scored. Uh, it, it looked like there was maybe a chance of a handball there before that goal. How did you guys see that? Because I, I kind of felt that maybe it was a handball. I, I mean, with the VAR, and it said it was no, it was no penalty there or no handball. But what are you guys' thoughts on that on that play? Because it was awfully close. Uh, you know, touching Pereiro's hand before he scored the goal. I thought I, it was fine. Yeah, honestly,
2: I, I I just watched like the you know six minute. Highlight thing of that game, I, I I didn't see I didn't see what happened. Hmm. I mean, generally, as long as you don't you know play it with that hand or whatever in the buildup, usually you're okay. But
0: right, you know, right. Um, Napoli uh, winning two nil. They getting getting awesome in back and starting up front. Uh, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with a bit dealing with a Venezia team right now that they're in the drop and. Venezia are setting up right now. Uh, they're just going to set up to try to frustrate everybody. I mean, I, I, every time they get yeah. one of the seven sisters, like if they get 35% possession, it's a shock. Yeah. Um, they're just perfectly, they've just, I think in those games, they've just decided you get the ball. We're going to defend. We're going to see if we can sucker punch you. Um, yeah. You know, so on the one end, I think that you credit Napoli because these are, you got to win the games you're supposed to win. Um, yes. But on the other end, you know, do we get carried away with their title? They're in second, um, and they're in second on goal difference over Milan. They have a twenty-nine goal difference versus Milan at twenty-three. Yep. Um, so, I, I
1: think you know,
0: I think they're. I still, I, I think they're a threat for the title. Um, you know, until proven otherwise, and I think that there was conversations in the chat about Napoli's midfield and that. You know, we mentioned Fabian among the five best in the league, and mm-hmm. talking about the season Angi is having in Lubotka and Zielinski. I think Zielinski was really good in this game, uh, and then he he got he took a knock and came off.
1: Arguably the second best midfield, or maybe top midfield in the league with Inter. They're, they're would, very good. Yes. Yeah, and the reason I don't put Milan up there is because while you have Tonali, Benasir, and Kessie, no really attacking midfielder or threat. Diaz is, you know, suspect. Salamakas isn't really that great He's a winger, I guess, but if they had a really good attacking midfielder, I'd say Milan's in that mix. They're the, the two guys, three of the guys are all good, but you know, as a complete midfield, I think Inter and Napoli are at the top. Um, Cause Milan would get there eventually, but you know, they don't have an attack until they get that option in midf- an attacking midfield. Um, they're not quite there for me, but they're still good. <laughs> Believe me. I, I, I love them. But um,
0: I think Not- the top three teams. I think the top three teams in the city. A also have the top three midfields as a collective. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Mean, we're talking about Milinkovic-Savic, though, standing out for Lazio. Oh, yeah. All right. But the rest of it is just, I think you talk about Lazio an awful lot more if they actually had a better, um, five or or pivot.
2: Yeah. Uh, that Better sits in front the, of that back four. Yeah, floor. they're still trying to figure that out. Lucas Leva needs, to, right. needs Go. to be full-time replaced, and they haven't sorted that out yet.
1: Yeah. He's too busy uh, tweeting Jerry to uh, pay attention to his game. Oh. So, anyway. Um, but,
2: you know, going back to Napoli real quick, um, I think them, like Milan, if, if, I'm sure if I, you know, took the time to look into it, you know, Milan started, like, I can't remember what it is, like 22 different lineups in 24 games. I'm sure Napoli's not that far off between guys missing for AFCON and Osman breaking his face and, you know, other injury concerns and everything else. I mean, they have had to play, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they've had to rotate through, you know, a fair few guys and stuff like that. And I think that's what, you know, has made them maybe stronger, maybe than in past years, maybe past in past years, they weren't as deep and couldn't play this many guys and still play well, but you know, they, I I think they can play a lot of guys and still, you know, still have a pretty strong lineup, you know, and then, you know, like the game today, I I turned, I missed the first half. I turned it on for the second half and about 50, 55 minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking Raf is probably watching that game, pulling on his beard, doing a little (laughs) bit of this, wondering when the hell we're going to score. And that's why you have Victor Osman on the team. Yeah. That's right. I, I think know, the health, and team. I'm with you, Frank. I picked him to be Capy and Eric, too. And you know, if he doesn't have his have you know his issues with getting hurt and all that kind of stuff, oh, uh, yeah. I think he's right up there, easily right up there with everybody else because that's the kind of guy that you know turns a zero zero miserable Venezia game into a one nothing win. And, that's and the I thing- think
0: that this is. A, I'm sorry, sorry, Richard. I, I think this is another reason why that this is an entertaining and an enticing title race. Yeah. Okay. Napoli have had their hardship and have lost their players and now have them back. Milan have had their hardship and lost their players and now have them back. Juventus is strengthened. Inter have not had that bad patch yet. And everybody gets it at some point in the season. Okay. And Hey, maybe they go all season without it and great, great if they do, but you know, Milan and Napoli are strengthening without doing anything in the Mercato in time for a title run, okay? Yep. Um, and Inter haven't hit that dip in form yet. You know, and Juve's a player in this, okay? Oh, yeah. Until they're until they're not, okay? And Atalanta, mm. the things you saw today against Cali are exactly why you can't take them seriously even for top four. The defending is going to do them in, yep. um, and now their goalkeeper makes a crazy decision and gets sent off. And uh, we're starting
2: Ooh. to see that, and we're starting to see it reflected in the table. And now he and he misses the game against Juve next week. Yes, yeah, big, big loss. Big loss. Well,
1: yeah. you were mentioning you mentioned about Napoli being title contenders, and I think with a healthy Victor Osimhen, this is one of the most dynamic offenses with Inter in the league. They they are phenomenal when everyone's healthy. Uh, and they're, I think they're good enough. And like you said, Frank, they've, they've limped along with you know injuries and people out. Uh, and they're and now they're back healthy like Milan. And they're in the mix. They're second place. You yep. have to very much hold them as a contender in this one. And I think we'll see how they do against Inter. That's a big game. If they can find a win against there, look out. They might have full oh, yeah. confidence there uh, as Milan are right now. So, yeah, it's a, it's certainly a race. Race on five teams going for the title. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, that shapes up there. Um, but yeah, wow! It's uh, Napoli is very much a, a player in this race.
0: Yep, definitely. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all certainly tight. Um, let's look at some of these other games uh, and, and go through it. We've kind of picked on, I think we've kind of pointed pointed at Atalanta and laughed at them. Uh, we've talked about Napoli, Juventus. Okay, so um, you know Anthony's making a comment about Verona looking terrified of Vlaovic. They were, they were. Um, <laughs> because I have been so vocal in saying that he won't be as successful at Juventus as he was at Fiorentina, I am going to take the easy way out of this and say it's one game. And he looked devastating in that one game. Um, But, you know, show me that again, you know, show me that against the seven sisters, you know, show me that. Like I said, and, but I did say this, I said, except, Now, here's the caveat. If Juventus change culturally, then yes, it'll work. Okay. If they keep being the Juve that they've been under Allegri, he's not going to be as productive as Fiorentina. That doesn't mean Vlaovic isn't going to be successful. It just means he's not going to be as productive because Juventus have a different identity for the game than Fiorentina have. Fiorentina sold out and attacked Lazio and got destroyed. Okay. Um, because Lazio liked to attack too. That was an that was two, four, three, threes, just having a go at each other, Lazio finishing and, and creating a lot more chances than Fiorentina were able to do. Yeah. Okay. This Juventus Hellas Verona game was that her the hell is Verona defense puckering up a little bit. Some people might make that comment, but Verona had the ball and were having chances going the other way. So, you know, you saw you saw some tweaks from Juventus culturally in this game versus what you normally see. I don't know if this is going to be a if this is going to be a, a common practice for them, or if they go back to being the same old Juve that, hey, here's how we're going to set up and it's going to be one nil. And this guy that we just spent 70 million on, he's going to be the guy we depend on to get the goal. So, yeah. um, so I want to clarify. Just because I don't think he'll be as productive as Juventus doesn't mean he won't be successful. He'll be successful. Okay. But don't expect this massive goal output like he did for Fiorentina. Um, And then Zakaria would look really, really good as well. Um, You know, let's discuss Juventus' credentials. Do we want to say, hey, I I need more sample, or are we impressed, and are they a fourth team in this race?
1: Lisa, you want to go
2: first? Oh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, I don't know if there's such a thing as the new striker bump, but, you know, we always hear of the new coach bump. I think today was definitely the new striker bump. Um, I think both of you guys will remember. I'm pretty sure it was the first game Christoph Piantic ever played for Milan. We played Napoli, I think, in a Copa game, and he destroyed Koulibaly. Koulibaly was, pardon my French, his bitch for 90 minutes that game. He killed him. And we were like, oh, my God, what do we have here? So, yeah, it's one game. I think if you can get and and it seemed like I saw some of this today, the the everybody rowing in one direction, everybody supporting him, you know, you know, making him the man, you know, that kind of stuff. I I think that's I think that's a great sign. I think they've spent the last couple of years with a lot of guys pointing 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 the fingers at each other and fighting over the ball and and all that kind of stuff. Um, my only concern is you know like we kind of talked about earlier with transfers. It's really tough to flip the script in January with a bunch of new guys. You know, it's not that it's impossible. It's not that it can't be done. But, man, is it really tough to bring in two to three, you know, obviously here like two new starters and and just go. Because you also got Champions League coming up, too. It'd be different if they just had like 15 league games here the rest of the way and we're playing one game a week and all that kind of stuff. But you're still going to have to rotate a lot. And you're still going to – you know, he's not – I can't imagine he's going to start every game. So it's going to be interesting to see how that vibe goes the rest of the way. But, hey, you can't complain about the start. So
1: No, you can't. Yeah. Richard. Um, so, like in our video, in our in our Vlahovic breakdown, Sam says, you know, if Allegri was smart, they would put a, a Morata starting with Vlahovic and Dybala because those three would be one of the best attacking trios in Europe, right? And he found a way. He changed his formation to get that to work. Now, will he go – use that formation all the way through. We'll see. Uh, I think it was a good yeah. change for them offensively. Offensively, with those three, they're phenomenal. They can find each other. They can make things work. Obviously, in that first goal, of Vlahovic scored. Dabala finds him. is Dybala, probably licking his lips now because Morata's also a playmaker, too. People forget that, yes, he's a striker, but he can pass. And he yes. probably should. He should always probably be a second striker, as someone said on Twitter. I don't know if it's Uncle, Uncle Sharma or who said it, but um, they the three of them were, would will work well together. But... Are they automatically in top four? What have I been bitching in all all season long about them? And it's not about their attack. It's about their midfield. Have yes. they substantially upgraded their midfield? No. Uh, they got rid of some dead weight, and they brought in, you know, Zach- uh, Zacharia and um, and Gatti, which are good upgrades, but they're not at the level Allegri needs to do what he needs to do. Can They're they- not
0: the Napoli, Inter, Milan midfields.
1: No, they're not. No. Or mm-hmm. Atalanta. And... Do I think that having Vlahovic is gonna help them? Yes, absolutely. He if he can do it his thing and they can play those three the front three together, yes, they're gonna be effective and in the race for the top four, but they're not gonna be automatically in the top four for me. I, I still have Atalanta as just as suspect as they are, I trust Atalanta more than Juventus at the moment based on the midfield for Juventus. But things could certainly change if they can get on a nice. Well, they're on a nice run, but if they can continue with this, the current team and continue progressing forward, yes, they're going to be in the mix. I'm not going to say they're going to drop off the, the map, and it's going to be just top four. Now, Juventus are in this race; it's a top five race. Um, but I don't think it's automatically a top four with Vlahovic, just, just because the midfield was not upgraded substantially as they probably needed, and you know, nice pickups and all, but. The, the midfield is not much different from what it was before, to, in my opinion. They still have some of these you know, Rabios and Benten, uh, not Bentenkora. Uh, Arthur is in the in the midfield, you know. And Locatelli is going to help, obviously, and you know have McKinney do his thing as well. But yeah, I'm not. They're not a lock for me at top four yet. I'm not. I'm not going to throw all my chips into Juventus top four just yet. It's one game, like you said. Striker bump. It could happen. Obviously, this is a fantastic striker who has a proven background right now, Uh, but. Not ready yet to throw my chips and say Juventus top four in this one just yet. Fiorentina. with Let's go
0: to the flip side of the team that Vlaovic left. Do you see this team? I just think there's going to be an adaptation period for Cabral. I like the signing. I like what Comiso did, just not wasting any time. You've got him. You've got Piontic. I would personally, if I'm Italiano, I would be starting. I know you spent. I know the money was spent on Cabral. I would be starting Piantec. He's got experience in this league. He scored goals in this league. Yes, did they dry up, and it's why he got shown the door at Milan. But at least the experience of scoring goals in this league is there. Characteristically, there are some. Qualities that are similar to Vlaovic. I'm not trying to say that Vlaovic is the better striker. Yeah. Okay. But I'll make the argument for Fiorentina if you want to keep up this momentum and you want to qualify for Europe, let's let Cabral get acclimated with playing in this league, with the culture, with the training, and with everything that goes with it and start Piontek as your striker and see if he can. I mean, because this can be a Giovanni Simeone thing. We talked about this okay. where he was brilliant and then he goes somewhere else and it dries up and then he goes to Hellas Verona and he's second in goals. You know, why not? I mean, that that's the one argument I want to make with Fiorentina. It's like, okay, I know you want to the, the, the shiny new toy that you just purchased and you want to get it out there and see how it works, but how about putting in the guy that has at least scored goals in this league uh,
1: and and running him out there first? What did you think about playing a two-striker system with Piantic and Cabral? And I say this because Vlahovic did so much for them, right? He's not only just a goal scorer, he sets people up. His movement off the ball is really good. He's going to do really wonders for Juventus. But now there's this big void of Fiorentina. And while Piantic has some of those traits of Vlahovic, the hold-up play, the shooting ability, he does miss a lot. And maybe Cabral can fill in some of those deficiencies and they can complement each other very well. They're going to have to change things in the formation and all, but... Maybe a two-striker system is the, the way to go now, but I, I I totally dig the the Piantic you know shot there. What I mean, what are your thoughts, Lisi? Uh,
2: I don't you know it's funny when Frank was talking. I was thinking you know Fiorentina's biggest nightmare might be you play one guy for a couple games and he doesn't score, and then you play the other one for a couple games he doesn't score, and then you're like shit because the way they're built, they're built to win games like four to three or three to two. They're not built to win one nothing games. So. You know, maybe like a four-four-two with both of them, Richard. Maybe that's not a bad idea because then you got both of them out there. You play the hot hand. And maybe if you play something like that, you can be at least a little bit more defensive and sit in a little bit more. And maybe I mean, obviously today is like the worst possible start to the post Vlavic area. I mean, you went out and got, you know, roasted three zip by yeah, you know, and A team that was probably, you know, in Lazio. I mean, you you got Immobile and milinkovic Savage, and those guys smell blood in the water, and they just went and and, and drilled them. But yeah, and, and Richard, I think you know maybe that's the idea—you get both of them out there and you know see what happens.
0: Italiano won't do it. He wants to play with wingers, and he wants to be in. A, I mean, he's yeah. stubborn. He's going to play his four-three-three. So it's the only reason why I would and characteristically they're almost the same. Um. And we've talked about this. If you're going to play to a two forward system, one guy is your Pianta Cabral Vlahovic type. The other guy is your K. Tabalde, yeah, like,
2: Lattaro. Correa
0: Lataro type. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know that's how you got to get it to work. I think two stiffs at forward um <laughs> doesn't quite work.
1: And it's the opposite <laughs> problem of what Juve have, right? Because both Vlahovic and Marata are mobile. They both also right. have pretty good vision too, so they can yes. work together. Unlike. Piantic and Cabral, more than likely. Well, as he yeah. proved,
0: as he proved today, is a passer from that position, too. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So how many sits has that's he That's how you year can year get away corner. with it.
0: Yeah. Right. That's how you can get away with it. Um anything else from these games, guys? I mean,
1: I think that uh I think we know that. I mean last thing I'll say on the Juve uh Juve uh Verona game is I think Verona had many opportunities, like you said, Frank. They had plenty of chances, and I think had they been more clinical, this would have been a different scoreline. It could have easily been a draw game. Yeah. Uh, they did not take their opportunities, and had this been a better team or a better finishing team, we're looking at diff- we're going to be talking differently about the Juventus. I think they yeah. got away with one. Verona is normally better than this, but you know maybe it's just a Vlahovic effect, and they were they were scared stupid against Vlahovic. So maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just, uh, I just had one other thing. Just uh, it's a huge win for Sampdoria. They had dropped all the way down to what 15th or 16th, you know. And you're going to have those couple games a year where Candreva looks like, you know, a world beater. But you've also added a guy like Sensi, and like you guys mentioned earlier, Conti. He now has two goals in two games. He came on the Copa game against Juve, scored like three minutes later. He came on in this game and did virtually the same exact thing. (laughs) He's got more goals in two games than he had in, you know, five years, you know, with us. And that's not, you know, cutting on the guy. Honestly, when we first signed him that summer, way back when we signed all those guys, he was the guy I was most excited about. Then he blew out his knee choice and, you know, was never the same guy. So I'm happy for him. But, but yeah, I think that's a huge win for Sam, you know, uh, uh, staying out of the, you know, that bottom three or four, which I think they can. You know, with no problem. That's a huge win for
0: them. It was interesting because Candrebo was the first question that I had when Gianpaolo took over. It's like, okay, we know what Gianpaolo does. He plays 4-3-1-2. Yes. So if you're going to do this, then he's going to be the right side of a three-man midfielder. He's not going to be a winger. You know, he's going to be kind of tucked inside. And can he still provide the same production that he normally does? And so far, yes. Um, And this might be good for Candreva's career where he's not playing a wide midfield position and running yeah 100 to 120 yard doggie's where he can sit tucked inside and yeah. you know not not have to expend as much energy so this yeah. you know it, it, this could be interesting um you know how I mean, this they have plays all
2: the out he cover behind him like you said in that 4-3-1-2 he gets to sit up there, play offense. He doesn't have to worry about defending really a whole lot.
0: right? You know, so
2: he's got cover all the way around him on every side. So he can just find that space and kind of do his thing just in the middle of the field instead of doing it out wide.
0: Let me pull up that lineup and, and what they did in that game real quick. Um, yeah. Rincon and Torsby are, are perfect. I mean, you, oh, you shift yeah. them into a double pivot. Condreva can drift wide and high and you got Senzi who can – Who can drop and tuck in? Yeah, I see how it works.
2: Sure. Yeah, Torsby and Rincon are perfect, you know, uh, midfielders that'll, you know, uh, uh, crash into people and cause all sorts of trouble. I mean, Torsby, he's got the sharpest elbows since Bill Lambeer. I mean, I think both of you guys can appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) I can appreciate that that reference. reference. Yeah. Torsby, if you watch that guy in the air, man, it is all it's nothing but elbows. God bless him. Yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy It'd be great if he was on my team. But when we play against them, I'm scared to death that somebody's gonna, you yeah. know, get an eye taken out or, or you know. But yeah, yeah, with the group he has there, it it fits his system reasonably well. So it might be interesting. Yep. Goals of the week.
1: Uh,
0: did you do any? I I, I did. did I did
1: I, I did. Uh, so number five for me is. Osiman's header, I liked it. it as a wonderfully taken by him. It um, oh, was so weak, though. I mean, it's a goal, like
0: but, man, that's just the one of
1: those. It's all about the placement for me. I liked it. And he did it the right way, though.
0: To, be, yeah. to, to, to When you yeah. get across, I hate guys who flick it because the yeah. goalie's traveling that way. Yeah. Yes. Headed back where it came from, that wrong foots the goalkeeper. So, in, in a sense, yeah, that's smart.
1: Yep. Um, number four for me, new man for Juventus, Zakaria Scored a goal one, taken wonderfully by him. Um, put it away nicely there. Uh, number three, Conti's volley from Kandreva. I just thought it was a wonderful pass and, and goal by both of them. Uh, number two is going to go to Giroud, his second goal. Uh, the turn on one of the best defenders in the league, Devry, and then putting it away. Sure, Hndrovic should have scored it, but I mean, in the moment, that was a wonderful goal, big, big goal for uh, to give Milan the win. Uh, and number one for me, it's the new man, Vlahovic. His yep. chip goal, wonderfully done. First, very wonderful touching to it past uh, the keeper it can't number one for me. No
0: doubt. I, I, I don't know you anymore. I don't know you anymore. All this UV love. I don't know you anymore. What, what, who are you and what have you done with Richard? Yeah. I, okay. What, what, what are no, you wearing no. under
2: that hoodie, Richard? Is that a, no. is that a black and white t-shirt
0: under there? What the Giroud goal. The Giroud goal is the goal of the week. The Cruyff turn on, Vla, on, on Devry to create the space and score the goal. Vlaovic, <laughs> Vlaovic is second. That's how I've got it. Okay. Um, the Molina free kick at the near post for me is third.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. Uh, the Conti goal is fourth, and then I'll go with Caputo fifth. That was a nice volley going back the other way off the Condeva cross. So those were my five. Lisi, what's your goal of the week?
2: Uh, I didn't really write down like a five, but honestly. It's got to be Giroud. Uh, uh, okay, <sighs> listen.
0: <laughs> that you got was... We got to set the Milan. We're Milanisti. I mean – that's the goal of the week, to win the derby, to turn the way he did. Yeah, not, well, I, I don't yeah. want to sell you. I don't want to sell you. If you've got no, a no, choice, no, no. go ahead.
2: It's, it, it's it's beautiful. But you know what? The highlights of the Juve game, at least the highlight I saw of, of Vlaavich's goal, you know, he chips it over the keeper. I don't know if they had fireworks or fog or whatever. There's all this smoke <laughs> yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like – like our buddy Cliff Esmail or Luch or one of those guys like Photoshop <laughs> the most perfect debut goal for this man, yeah. including the background and everything. I mean, I don't know what I mean, I don't know what could have possibly made it better. But I mean, just as far as like, you know, the stage and the moment and all that kind of stuff, it was great. But, you know, the the sentimental one is the Conti goal. You know, that was, yeah. that, that was, that was fantastic. And yeah, I mean, Saru, I mean, that's, that's textbook, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, Frank, that's, that's what a number nine lives for. You want to receive that ball there and be able to make that, make that spin, get the center back out of the way and, and find the corner and be yep. the keeper. So, I mean, I, I loved them all, but you know. <laughs> all right. All um <laughs>
0: We've kind of talked transfers as we've gone through. I still think the best transfer of this January window is Oliveira to Roma. Um, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna duck from that. Uh, I, I okay, Ivlavich is look good for Juventus after one game. We still got to see what Gozins is going to do for Inter when he when he starts to play. But yeah. Oliveira stepped right in and played like he's been there for two or three seasons. Um, and uh, it was a great kid for Roma at the time. I think it was a definite need for them. Uh, Another specialist, especially when you consider uh, a dead ball specialist, especially when you consider how often Pellegrini gets hurt. Um, so you've got that. Uh, you know, so when I look at it, I think you know Roma did well. I'm I'm just trying to whip through these transfers real quick and and take a look. Uh, Inter, you get Gouzen, and then you get depth with Caicedo coming over on a loan. Milan get Lazetic. It's going to be a while before we find out what he's all about. Um, Boga to Atalanta, we haven't seen yet. No. Well, um, he
1: we saw him, but he just didn't do anything. Right. He was quiet against Galagany.
0: Yeah. Um, Juventus, great start right now when you'd consider Vlahovic and, and Zakaria. Uh, Napoli getting Tuanzebe. Um, Like I said, Oliveira and Maitland Nels to Roma. You could argue that... From a functionality standpoint, Roma is up there with Juve as far as having the best Mercato here in January. If you're talking about adding players and building need, um, I like what Sampdoria did. Conti's, Conti yes. and Sensi are very good. Rincon's yep. good. Yep. A um, lot of experience there. Watch out for Vladislav Supraja, um, the striker that came over from Dinamo Kiev. Um, who's there on loan. I, I think they're going to figure out a way to fit him in there. And, you know, if if he can figure it out pretty quickly, they'll he'll get on good. Genoa added a lot of people, throwing a lot of things against the wall to see what sticks. Richard will know a little bit more about him, uh, Nadia Mamiri than the rest of us. Um, uh, plays for came over from Bayer Leverkusen. But clearly they built a team with Blessin's uh, vision. Well, first, Chevchenko's vision, because he wanted Hefty and Vasquez and got him. Ugh. Um, but now, you know, Blessing has added Calafiore's there on loan. Ostegard was terrible today, or I mean on Saturday, but clearly it's a team that's, that's built with the vision of how Blessing wants to play there at Genoa. Um, Bologna, Abish are coming over from young boys is an interesting one. Uh, another playmaker in that Bologna mm-hmm. midfield. The problem is you got to score goals. Um, you know, the, the playmaking hasn't been the problem for Bologna. Um, uh, after that, yeah. Okay, we'll see what Cabral can do. I like Icone. I like Piantic for Fiorentina. Um, Lovato has been very effective for Caliari since joining. Yeah. Um, Goldanig has been a pleasant surprise. He's kind of been always below average as a player in this league, but he's been decent uh, since joining Mazzari. and Baselli has been a help there. So they've kind of clean things up in terms of protecting the goal. Um, and then uh, Fada is going over to Torino is probably the most notable. Empoli getting Benassi. Um, Salernitana getting a bunch of guys. They, they oh. are confirming their relegation by signing uh, Federico Fazio on loan. <laughs> um, and uh, Cuisance to uh, Venezia, which we've talked about, a player that we <laughs> like nani coming over to give them a little bit more experience so those are probably the notable transfers from january in a nutshell i would probably say that if you want to really talk about this in terms of additions if you want to like score this on additions i'd make the argument that juventus and roma are one and one a um if you want to talk about overall did you really need to do something did you rest if you want to like throw restraint into the equation? then Milan and Napoli deserve to be at the top in terms of the Mercato because, honestly, they're two teams that really didn't need to do anything and they didn't do anything, um, you know, between the two teams. Inter getting Gozins and that's – yeah, Caicedo, fine. I mean, he's a – that might be an Inzaghi teacher's pet uh, kind of move. But, I mean, the top three really didn't do much and didn't have to. And, you, in a way, you could say they're winners in this Mercato because – they didn't need to do none of them really needed to do anything, and yeah. then but then after that, if you want to talk about who won on additions, and yeah, Juventus and Roma would probably be my two.
1: Um, yeah, I definitely go with Juventus, uh, Juventus in terms of who they got right. Obviously, Vlahovic, Gatti, and and Zakaria. I've seen Zakaria for a long time, so I know what he brings to them potentially. Um, if he can learn some consistency. So they're they're up there. I I actually do like what Inter did. Uh, Golsen's was a as a out of the blue came out of nowhere, kind of stole Gossens from Newcastle. Uh, so I think that was while they're good with Perisic, I think Gossens brings a little bit more on that side and really solidifies the wing play for both for you know both sides for them. Um, and Caicedo is greater than Immobile. Just Remember that. Never forget. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, I like. Well, I I Inter probably a one B for me. I, you know, people, I don't, I don't buy the notion that because you do nothing, that's a, it's a bad window, right? Lazio, that was a bad window because they had a, a major deficiencies in the defense and they did nothing to, to really fix that. Yeah. Milan, people want to say it was a flop, to f- flop, Calcio Mercato. And it's like, no, they didn't really need to, do, the emergence of Kalulu, I think helped that plus Romagnoli's emergence. They were kind of like, okay, we can probably get by once Tamori gets back, we'll be fine. Um, they got rid of Gabia, I guess, right to Sampdoria or wherever he went um i think um maybe not maybe maybe that's a rumor but they didn't really have to do much and if it's better than buying making a stupid move which they, what they did in the banter era just buying all these stupid players just for the sake of it because they want to say hey we bought somebody no if it if you don't if it doesn't fit what your project is don't buy it and i think milan did well in that respect and lazio on the flip side should be ridiculed because they did nothing to help themselves so uh, that's yeah. just the, the quick run through for me okay uh michael thoughts on the mercato
2: um, I, I think you're kind of right, Frank, where you said the, you know, the top three really didn't have to do a whole lot. I think Inter brought in, you know, some bodies for, you know, the upcoming amount of games they're going to have. You know, you got Champions League coming and stuff like that. And, you know, you can't just throw the same 11 out every single every single day, you know, for those games. Um, you know, as far as, you know, moving up the table and stuff like that, you know, we already talked about Sam Sampdoria a little bit, I think, between the coach. And the couple moves they made, especially Sensi and Rincon, I think that's a perfect fit for those guys. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Torino because I think they played really good all year, and I'm kind of surprised they made any changes at all. I mean, Juric really seems to kind of have that, uh, you know, really have them going in the right direction. They're still having trouble scoring goals, but, you know, they're in a pretty solid, like, ninth or tenth place, and I was kind of surprised uh that they made some changes. And of course, you know, first game after the window ends, Yurich is up in the stand serving a suspension and everybody loses their minds in the last like five minutes and a, a zero zero game goes goes straight to hell. But uh but yeah, I'm gonna be interested to see what happens in them, you know, uh in the second half. Yeah. You know, like I said, Napoli and Milan, you know, they really didn't have to do a whole lot. Um yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, the the, the the inter moves kind of feel like when they kinda of had a settled squad and then they still went out and signed like Ashley Young and like a couple other odd bodies just to have uh uh extra they signed off I think. I mean they they yeah, inter, signed inter, like all these odd extra bodies that you didn't think were ever really gonna play for them yeah. except for in like Copa matches or whatever, which okay, that's fine. If you wanna bring in three guys to play Copa matches, that's great. I mean, intermate was, yeah.
0: depth signings. I mean, that's really yeah. what they did.
2: Yeah. And I mean, and I don't know if the depth was terrible, but you want to add three oh. more guys, they okay, go right ahead. But, yep. uh, but yeah, I think, you know, other than, other than Juve, all the rest of the top teams kind of are what they are and let's see what happens.
0: Yep. All right. So that's our take on the Mercato. I mean, it had been a little bit, a little while since we got a chance to, we, we haven't been on in a couple of weeks. So we, I know the Mercato closed shortly after we were last on. So we thought we'd. Uh, chime in on that a little bit. Now we can get on to the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for who won Calcio Twitter. Richard, lead us off.
1: I mean, unmute myself here. All right, starting it off, uh, Milan Weekly Podcast uh, nominated Kier Palulu. uh and so original. The original tweet was from Sky Sports and said. Uh, uh, Fiorentina's condition uh, prepared to offer for um, Vlahovic, and so Kier Palulu says, "I swear, this project called AC Milan is a study on how long a group of people can stay loyal to a certain organization. <laughs> uh, both 30, for Fiorentina and Milan,
0: thirty-four years over here, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, yep, I, <laughs> and you can tell. I, I've, you, you can see the age spots on my face." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicholas is nominating Sabrina uh, at Sabri B10. Everyone talking about Vlaovic. Meanwhile, my heart is melting because po- Leo posted about
1: Balotelli. <laughs> so. oh, all right, let's see. Moving on, moving on. What's next? Okay, the long weekly podcast and nominated another one. Okay, this one comes from uh, Di Gianni DeChelio And uh, so Rocco Benito Camisa, his Wikipedia page says, Who the fuck did this? And it says, uh, known for selling Fiorentina's best players to Juventus. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: All right. I think Casca Kelcho is the leader in the clubhouse. We're going to let Michael pick the winner. Yeah. All right. So I nominated this one, Saturnia. No stranger to who won Kelcho Twitter. Milan faced Juventus without Vlaovic and will face Fiorentina without Vlaovic. It's the... GIF of Jose Mourinho running. We need to replace that with the GIF of Pioli running after uh, Giroud's goal, though. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right. This one comes from Sean McIntosh uh, from Lazio LA. He goes, uh, transfer window blues. Lazio looking out the window with ghosts to Inter and Vlahovic the Event. That's mentioned. good. Yeah. That's Lazio every window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh-huh. That is true.
0: In, <laughs> at Inter underscore SF, Kambilaso is nominating. Gozen's once the ink dries. Gets up. No injury. Kevin Nash getting out of the wheelchair.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. Got a lot of love of WWE tweet. All right, where else we at Now Saturnion back at it again. Uh Inter trying to feed Gosens the same stuff he had at Atalanta after his injury. <laughs> the juice. The magic juice. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> that's a good one. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's one of the ones I nominated. Okay. Uh Martin Doron always uh getting on the board. Uh one of the funnier uh one of the funnier Twitter follows in Cedia. What it looks like versus what it felt like. Uh so <laughs> this is okay, this is Get the intergame.
1: Yeah. They're all yelling at the referee.
0: And then you show the yeah, the uh, the, uh, the 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 sword fights and yeah, <laughs> kind of the old yep, the old battles out there. Yep.
1: <laughs> so. uh, all right, uh, oh Martin Rune again did it again. Uh, so much for my New Year's resolution. Gets a <laughs> his first game back in the season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we won't blame you, Martin. It's okay. Uh. Okay, at Sergio underscore D nominating uh, Pepismo. Um, who is actually replying to uh, (laughs) Parisnich. Parisnich, I don't want to be rude, but do these fellas have jobs? Did they ask their boss for a day off or something? And this was uh, uh, Gozins with the Corva Nord.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And... uh, (laughs) That <laughs> Pepismo going, you're looking at their jobs. You've got the left and right scarf holders, and then thumbs up, guy working as hard as ever.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well done, Pepismo. All right. All right. Apex Crafter nominated this one from Art Vandele. Uh, it's Vlahovic with uh, Maratha sinking in the UV. Voice Keen at the bottom of the pool. Kyle George, Kyle George is at the bottom, way bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's <laughs> oh, nicely done. That's creative. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Um uh, let's see here. Moving on. Uh, let's see. You uh Syria sit down. We nominated this one, Sarah, hashtag Juventus at Sarah 977-86974. Uh, Allegri did it again. Sorry, not sorry. Allegri with an arm around uh, Vlaovic holding a jersey while Mikel Arteta is in the background holding an Arsenal jersey and kicking
1: a bottle of water. Uh, didn't get anybody in. All rumors, no sign. Oh, All on. right. Let's see. Jerry Mancini uh, during the uh, Canada, U.S. national, or Canada, Canada, Canadian national team game. Uh, the media, when they see Jonathan David. Change his name to Jonathan Davidovich, and everyone loves him. <laughs> what about the Serbian <laughs> name there. <laughs>
0: um. All right. Uh, we've got another nominee here from uh, Casano Anthony. One. Uh, <laughs> Calcio Napoli congratulates Juventus FC for having made one of the best signings of the winter transfer market in recent years. With applause.
1: So the backstory was this: this person changed their name, their handle to look like the Napoli account to make it look official. Uh, so it looks, it was funny back then. It was really funny back then, but uh, yeah, it still works. Yep.
0: <laughs> All uh, right, moving on. Uh, Bobby is uh, nominating Siabush
1: Balahi. Yes, uh, he says, uh, "Congratulations to Juventus for the new striker in 2025." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arthur
0: yeah. Cabral. Wouldn't it be funny if in the press conference he says, I'm only here because I can go to Juventus someday? It would be. be. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) If you're a new Fiorentina signing. I someday want to play for Juventus, so I figured I'd come here. Like, if you want to play for Milan, go to Genoa. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Yeah. that was the way it used to be.
0: I dream of playing for Milan someday, so I figure I'd come play for Genoa.
2: Yep, yep, yep.
0: <laughs> At Torgrud 45, Maldini only had enough money for either a loan deal or an oil change. Reports of an appointment scheduled with the Porsche dealership.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. That's good. That's, good. that's good. All right. This one comes yeah. from Max Lombardia. Breaking AC Milan sign. new midfielder, Matteo Neancatso. <laughs> Neanche Not one person. <laughs> Not one <falcon> person. Oh. <laughs>
0: Oh right. uh, yeah, yeah, Okay, so uh, we're nominating uh, Franco Gordon at Franco Gordon ninety seven. Mercato um, chiuso uh, in entrata anche per Inter e AC Milan. Just say mercato. Franco Gordon saying mercati in entrata mai aperto al AC Milan. Entry market never opened for
1: Milan. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. It's never to buy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what do we got here? All right, so uh, <laughs> so all UVA cast posted a tweet of uh, Zacharia at the J Medical, and so uh, Georg Zamit says a bit insensitive to be posting pictures at Ramsey's place minutes before he's expected to leave. Another PR <laughs> disaster by UVA. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good.
0: All right, moving on uh, at Wanderoy underscore. Um, <laughs> Our window, Milan, Mickey Mouse constantly opening jail doors.
1: No players coming through. No players coming through. All right. Uh, So Tottenham uh, unveiled uh, uh, Kuliszewski. And so uh, MFD says, uh, fuck me, he's whiter than the jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he is pale. He must have lost his tan when he went to Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, you go to
0: London. You go to London. There's no sun anymore.
1: Oh, this is funny
0: so, <laughs> okay, Michael, you nominated at Fredward underscore Mac. Cubay fans coming out of the gutter after signing Vlajovic.
2: <laughs> coming out a, a hole in the ground.
1: I don't know. My worst nightmare there. Yeah. That
2: that gift got a lot of run this week. Yes, it did. A lot of run this week by a lot of people. Yes, it did.
1: <laughs> All right, Uh, someone nominated Frank, says, yeah, Twitter might be more unbearable than Calcio Twitter, and that's an unbelievable take.
0: (laughs) That takes an unbelievable amount of effort. I mean, I just like it was, uh, who are they playing? The third third game of the qualifiers, was it? It was Honduras, Honduras, yeah. And they get the lineup, and oh my God, like every U.S. Men's National Team Twitter account, like fan or supporter, Bearholts are out, bear halter out, bear halts out over the just over the lineup. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like, dude. Yeah. You realize. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's let okay, fine. Play Polisic every three games with his injury history. Go ahead. Do it. Yeah. Dumb shits. Yeah. Just dumb shits. So no, I mean that's not eligible for victory because it nope. was it came from me. So yeah. Yeah. Bobby nominating Siabush again. Bobby, please don't tell me you have this like man crush on Siabush Valahi. Um, uh, Chelsea making an inter design to make Lukaku deliver. I'm actually crying. That's, that's actually good.
1: That's, uh, so... that's a good one. Uh, let's see. is there Another one. Okay, so this one comes from uh, Rete. This way it goes. I am the great Zaniolo." Zaniolo <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, doing this uh, butthead impersonation there. Or Beavis. Nice. Yes. Yeah, you're the Beavis and Butthead
0: impersonation uh, aside. That's this is pretty good. <laughs> so, all right. Um... Let's see moving on uh Sabrina nominating Adriano OO19 mignon for mignon. Yeah, he deserves a, me- a fillet mignon tonight. Yeah. So absolutely or yesterday. Hope he got one.
1: <laughs> this uh, next one comes in from Milan Banger says uh thank you so much Gigi Donnarumma. We owe you this one. <laughs> it's a picture <laughs> of mignon. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, no one misses uh, Donnarumma. Okay.
0: Nope. Moving on, at Milan yep. Post, Samu Castillejo.
1: Turns the blue lights at Inter to red. This one was good. That was good. See, Castillejo is still yep. important to the team.
0: Yep.
2: Very simple.
1: Yep.
0: Doesn't play anymore.
1: That's why. So this one is a good one. So uh, so right here, originally, uh, Finetti says, unfollow us. Uh, and so here's the full tweet. that says, unfollow us because this guy says, let them wash themselves. Um, so originally Venezia's talked about how they they visited Naples this a beautiful city and now Naples Na, Napoli's coming to visit them at their home to talk about the game this weekend. And so this guy says let's hope they wash themselves. Obviously uh, derogatory comment towards the Napoli uh, the Napoli fans and Napoli team. And so Venezia says, "You know what? Unfollow us." I, I that's a that's a good one. It's not a funny one. It's a, it's a, it's a, I'm glad they did it. A lot of people were happy well. that they stood up for uh, the Napoli fans that one.
2: Well played. Well played.
1: Uh, you want to get Martino on this one, uh, Frank? Frank? You kicked yourself out there.
0: Yeah, I just... You got this, excited. This stupid fucking mouse on my laptop. Pardon my language.
1: <laughs> well, as a celebration, you can watch Martino. Uh, like, I Martino Xed out one.
0: a bunch of things. Where, where, where am I now? Martino. Oh, so you just did the... the okay, notes. so, all right. Oh, so with the Gasparini dance. Okay. 18th place, Cagliari takes down Atalanta 2-1 in a must-win match after Milan's result. Dance
1: with me. <laughs> that gift, never get gif the
0: gif of dancing gasp. We can uh, use it against them, sure.
1: Yeah. All right, next one comes from David G 2557 uh, Things that are done in three minutes. Enter <laughs> and this uh, fried noodles. Nice. <laughs> Love
0: the uh, Giannis jersey and the avatar.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the last? Oh, we got a couple more. A couple more.
0: Yep. Okay. So let's see. Moving on. Uh, at oh. HLZET Begovich, replying to Milan posts, a child uh, with a tissue on the screen with uh, Simone My and Zaghi.
2: <laughs> That's
1: good. Wiping the tears <laughs> away. That's oh, great. That's,
2: that's
1: great. That's good. All right, Alan Murray nominates this one. And says uh, Vlahovic scores for Juventus on his debut and manages to draw a perfect penis during the celebration. Did he? <laughs>
0: oh. Is that re- that's not real?
1: I don't is know. Is that real? It might be. It's good, whatever it's it good is. Though. It's whatever it is.
0: Good on Alan for calling that out.
1: <laughs> Last
2: one.
0: <laughs> Ah, George, uh, when you lose against the team not playing any strikers, want to get away? (laughs) 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 Joining on the the old Southwest Airlines uh, promos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot of choices, Michael.
2: Yeah. You do the honors. Well, listen, I I, I wrote down a few. So, you know, I'm going to give honorable mention. I love the pasty Kulisevsky one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i think i saw
2: that at work and actually had to get up and walk away from my desk for a second because he is like the pastiest man on earth and oh then my goodness. Yeah. obviously tottenham wearing those solid white jerseys is great uh the peepo tears is great i didn't see i didn't see that during the week at all or the, or the i'm sorry this uh simoni and Zoghi tears you know wiping the tears off the monitor i thought that was great uh the Mourinho running was good but i'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Squidward peeking out the window as the Lazio fan watching everybody else do <laughs> business. Only, uh, only because that tweet could be from last week. It could be from like 2016. It could be from last summer. It could be from any time. That tweet, like you could eternally retweet forever. So I just, I just think that's uh, that's spot on. I think that, I think that was Sean's uh, Macintosh's tweet. So yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, right. I'm gonna give it to him this time. We'll give it to our Lazio pals.
0: All right, I am going to go ahead and name him the winner. Congrats to our friend at Sean underscore Macintosh, You won. Who won Calp Show Twitter?
1: And like we said earlier, Vanessa gets a lot of credit for uh, standing up to uh, you know idiots out there and uh, telling the guy yes. to follow me. That was, that was well done by them. Love that.
0: And I'll tag you guys in this as well. All right. All right, so congratulations to Sean McIntosh giving us this week's winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, Hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter. Anything that, you know, coming from the Calcio world that you think is funny, witty, creative, um, and we will throw it on there on our podcast and review it. Please do not be offensive. Please do not, uh, like, take shots at different cultures of Italy or cultures of people in general, you know, things that we won't read it. Um, cussing is fine. Uh, so, you know, if you want to do that, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. So, um, but please, uh, you know, keep them coming. We enjoy it. It's, probably what it's 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 a part that i think there are people that listen to this podcast and fast forward through us (laughs) blabbering about calcio and just get right to who won calcio twitter this week i'm convinced so uh we'll continue to do it as long as this thing's got legs we're having a good time with it so and uh, congrats again sean mcintosh first win uh for sean here so uh with that we're going to put a bow on this edition of who won calcio twitter there was so much to talk about we hadn't been with you in a couple of weeks, so you got a very long podcast, everybody. Uh, Michael, we're going to give you the opportunity to plug anything you wish. Have
2: at it. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on again, guys. I think that's five caps, so now I'm even with like Marco Amelia, I think, in uh, in national team caps. So that's <laughs> incredible company. Like, I, I honestly don't know what to do with myself. Um, but yeah, thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Um, Stop by and, uh, and check out my, our blog over at, uh, Fossa de Leone. Actually, I, uh, looked the other day, we're going to hit 15 years this year. We've had wow. two main writers. I've been there. I've been the main. Oh. We. Jim Franco had like the first seven or eight years and I've had like the last seven or eight. And, uh, we have a lot of fun. We have a great community. So, uh, swing by and join us. But, uh, thanks again, guys. And, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Love it, man.
0: All right. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Richard, anything to plug?
1: Yeah, uh, well, want to pl- want to plug um, obviously all those who who help us with the fan cams each and every week. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys too. And then I would be without I would not be remiss if I didn't mention uh, our latest video, "Do Some Vlahovic Tactics." Definitely give that a, a check out. Uh, and I'm gonna plug Sam because if I don't, she'll make my life a living hell, right? Uh, but no, <laughs> no, definitely if uh, whether it's myself making videos, Sam or Frank or whomever, you know, just definitely check them out. We try to do whatever content you, we think you guys will like. So if you know. Let us know what you want to see. Any player profiles, coaches, anything. Let us know. We'll be uh, more than happy to oblige. So, yeah.
0: Well, uh Breaking news: I just reached agreement with Presidente over at Milan Weekly Podcast to appear on Milan Weekly Podcast Monday, February twenty-first. So, two weeks from tomorrow. They actually wanted me to appear next Monday, which is Valentine's Day, and I said, "Well, if." you want me to get a divorce then yeah i'll go ahead and i'll go ahead and join your podcast but i'm not ditching my wife on valentine's day so you're gonna have to find another monday to get you're not richard no No. richard you would have jumped at it you would have told your wife "Ah, i gotta work
1: (laughs) (laughs) sad but true <laughs>
0: so watch uh, look forward to that and check that out I mean otherwise uh, I'll continue to blab weekly or uh at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter always willing to exchange calcio ideas with the people um and willing to to, to comment and chat and, and and all of that other stuff so chat uh, we had a great chat this week uh so certainly uh appreciative of all of yeah. you <laughs> um yeah George George is absolutely right happy wife happy life so um city i sit down we have our own channel on apple Podcasts. we have our own channel on soundcloud stitcher spotify iheart radio uh wherever there's podcasts there's city i sit down like i said at city i sit down on twitter or instagram any comments questions topics you want us to cover on future podcasts uh let us know there we're also available on facebook uh so that's all the uh social media places to check us out uh again here on our youtube channel Drop a like, uh, hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, This way you are in the know when we go live on future podcasts. Uh, Inter's trying to get the last word in here. Barat coming in at the last second, trying to drop a forward to Inter with three Milan guys here. That ain't happening. (laughs) So we appreciate you checking in with us, though, my friend. Uh, Good to have you with us. So... um, that's going to do it here for this edition of City I'll Sit Down. Uh, next week, Richard, how about we do next Tuesday, the fifteenth?
1: Sounds good. As long as it's not. I don't think people
0: want to. People aren't going to want to deal with us during the Super Bowl, and 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 Valentine's Day is out for both of us, and and uh, and and it's a Monday anyway. We stay away. We stay out of Milan weekly podcasts way. Um, and so we'll we'll be back with you Tuesday night, February fifteenth. So until then. Uh, again, extra special thanks f- to Michael for jumping on with us, helping us, uh, also with some, uh, uh, good information on some of the refereeing decisions that went on this weekend. Um, uh, and, uh, Richard for Richard, I'm Frank as always tell your paisans about us. Ciao.